You still don't understand what you're dealing with, do you? Perfect organism. Cut the power. How could they cut the power, man? They're animals. I watched it too with trackers. It's an eight-foot creature of some kind with acid for blood, and it arrived on your spaceship. It kills on sight and is generally unpleasant. It's a queen. How did you know that? She'll breed. You'll die. Hello and welcome to a new show from Neozaz. My name is Eric Moore and over there is Ian Marchant. Hello. Hello. And hello if you are, you know, a listener to existing Neozaz shows. Um, if you're not, if you're brand new, if you don't know who the heck we are or what Neozaz is, Neozaz is a podcasting entity, puts out a lot of shows, uh, little brief um, preamble here. Um, they originally came up with the Star Wars in Character podcast, which is basically each episode they would look at a character from one of the Star Wars films and look into the back story of the person you know how they are in the films the actor behind the scenes etc 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 that begat Indiana Jones in character same format that's when uh, me and Ian stepped in and uh, started riffing on it over here this side of the pond we had uh, Blake Seven in character first didn't we we did yeah, yeah. Uh, and used up every character virtually <laughs> in Blake Seven in character that was um, episodes, wasn't it? it was over a hundred and, and, and still going still going still yeah doing the special. occasional special yeah. Yeah. then there was well the Doctor Who version which we call yeah. Doctor Who adversaries and then we had Mad Max in character yes um, which has been very popular it's been very popular and we've had great fun doing it because the Mad Max films we adore um, and um, yeah, um, but that's almost at a close. We're over 70 episodes on that. Um, so Ian and I are having a lot of fun. So we're going to take the same format and use another film series that we, well, in parts love, like, and well, you're going to have to find out about the other bits. Pay attention. Uh, you'll probably pick up quickly which films and series we love. Mm. which films in the series we might not love mm. um, but no it's a good good format this it's very flexible isn't it we found yes yes now we do if, waffle. Well, yes yeah. i mean you know if you're used to our podcasts you know that ian and i waffle yeah. we will go off on tangents and, and stuff like that um if if we cock up or anything we keep it in yes this isn't really an edited show apart from to get any like background hum out or something like that so we, here we are warts and all um, so yeah, off we're going to go. So um, I was making a cheese sandwich Fair for lunch dude. today. Here we this go. This is the sort of detail we get into, guys. Yeah, first first detour, derailing yeah. of the show. What, I was what, making a cheese, sort of sandwich. Sort of um, cheese sandwich. Emmental. Emmental. Bit Emmental. Plain. Bit plain. No, no, no. I like the rubberiness of Emmental. Is it a toasted cheese or? No, no, no. Just a a, just... a, a, a double decker. Mm, um, interesting. Yeah. yeah. No, it's all right. It's all right. 
Um, so yeah, that, that that that's the little tangent <laughs> we're yeah. going off on. That that's we're not going to come back now to Alien. Um, no, my, my, no, my point is, I was making a dairy sandwich. Dairy product in character. <laughs> yes, that's the next show. Um, no, I was thinking about you know oh, I'm I'm really looking forward to doing this, starting this brand new show, Alien yeah. in character, and then I was thinking about Mad Max in character. And then I was thinking. Why didn't we do Alien in character first? Why, why, why did we choose there Mad Max? There was a Max? reason. There was a very good reason. I, for the life of me, I can't remember. Because I remember we discussed it. Because we, we, uh, we were talking when... Because um, we knew we'd probably go on to do a Doctor Who one. Because that was sort of a no-brainer. Um, and then we were discussing... And it was our favourite films, weren't it? So it was like Alien Universe, Mad Max Universe, The Thing Universe... And I think we even discussed Escape from New York or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But there was a—I re- can't remember what the reason was that that we wanted to do Mad Max before Alien. I think I'm—I'm I'm not sure, but I think it's something. I think maybe what was putting us off was with the Mad Max films, you've got four films, yes. right? If you do the Alien in character series, it's tainted by not just the alien films if you see what i mean i mean i think we were discussing well you know if we do alien in character are we going to do the alien versus predator films et cetera, oh i think et that was it yeah and then you've got the like the expanded universe of comics yes novelizations um whereas yeah mad max was a bit simpler mm. wasn't it in that you've got you've got the films and that seems to be it. there doesn't seem to be massive amounts there's of no spin off or novels no. or animations or anything like that and i think that was the simpler one yes. so 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 finally we're here and uh, yeah we've decided ian and i that we are doing just the four films we're sticking yeah. to four films like we did with mad max in character mad max in character what we did and we're going to be doing here is we start with the first film choose a character and then the second film, third film, fourth film, and then we'll start again, okay? Yes. And, and just keep going like that. Exactly what we did in, with Mad Max in character, yeah. all right? And if, if it's if it's not on screen, we might ignore, you know what I mean? It's like if, if, if we, we might think of a question that's answered in issue 58 of a Dark Horse comic or something, mm. um, we won't probably won't be researching that level. No. But pr- no. by all means, come over to Facebook and tell us. Yes, yeah, I, I, yeah. We're going to find out shortly that there is an awful lot. It's not Star Wars level uh, of no. backstories and stuff like that, but it is out there because there are a ton of alien-related novels or yes. aliens or whatever no, I, you want to. Yeah, I suppose I should I should point out um, I've not really read any of them. I've got I've got a few of the Dark Horse comics, and I used to enjoy the early black and white stuff, um, but no, I, I've not. I'm not aware of. I was looking just doing the research for this one today, and some of the. I was going, what? Where, what? Where's all this? What? Mm. What is this about? And it's um, there's a lot of. I don't know whether it's accepted canon or it's just fan theory or what, but a lot of there's a lot of detail that certainly isn't in this film. Mm, yeah, the the thing that will be canon and we will be mentioning are any deleted scenes. Yes, yeah, because that that's sense. fair game, isn't it, to actually yeah. um, mention. Uh, deleted scenes but no while i was making that sandwich right um listener if if you're used to hearing me and ian on other shows you you may know that i like putting ian on the spot well i don't like doing it it's just that i think up things you get a perverse uh, pleasure out of it really, yes right? well all right then all right fair enough yes that's right um so i've got a question for you right yeah. 
Um, it's a question for you and me. And I oh. thought before we talk about our character today and, and get into it, um, let's let's try and figure out if we're bigger Alien or Mad Max fans. Oh, okay. Right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you four either ors. Right. Okay. okay. So right for you and for me. Right. Which do you prefer, Ian? All right. And listener, um, let us yes. know. Um, there will be a Facebook page created you know for this show and just head on over find alien in character and you'll find us all right so you've got to choose out these two each time all right right okay so which do you prefer if you had to only have like one of these to have for your blu-ray or where, however you want to watch things in the future you're on a desert island right Fair enough. Yep. alien or mad max alien okay i i agree it's difficult, but yeah, alien. It's very difficult, yeah. I mean, it's a completely different style of film, completely different mood I've got to be in. But yeah, I've I've watched Alien many, many more times. It's probably my most watched film. Yes, and um, I think you're yeah. like me that um, you know you can drop into Alien at any point oh, yeah. and, and happily sit there for the rest of it. But yeah. with Mad Max, and we've mentioned this Mad Max in character, the first one, there are moments where you will fast forward. Yes. Yeah, you know. uh, I, I know. I know there was a, quite a bit of um, issue when Alien came out about pacing and that sort of thing, but I think it's perfectly paced. Yep. Whereas I think Mad Max, there are certain elements, Jesse, um, <laughs> where we uh, we fast forward a bit. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I've I've never ever ever understood the criticism of the pacing no. in in the first film. Never. All right. So Aliens or Mad Max Two: The Road Warrior. Mad Max 2, The Road Warrior. Agree again. Yeah. I, I wonder if... See, this is why I'm writing it down. I, I, I wonder if we're going to disagree with anything. All right, then. Alien 3 or Beyond Thunderdome? Beyond Thunderdome. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, that, this, this is... It, it is weird, this, because... I think... I, probably giving the game away early. I think I'm a... I love the Mad Max universe... I love Alien. Take from that what you will. Yes, yeah. So I, th I think then you and I are, are going yeah. to agree with the last one, <laughs> Alien Resurrection or Fury Road. Uh, I'd, I'd rather watch Fury Road while someone hits me with a coiled up chain and sticks broken glass up me backside than watch Alien Resurrection, I think. Because yeah. <laughs> at least you could, you could, you'd be, I think that You'd be in pain, but then after about five minutes, you're so into Fury Road because it's so good, you would forget the pain. Yes. Whereas I think, if it was the other way round, I could, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be embracing that pain, probably going a bit harder, mate. I know there's it's bits in Alien Resurrection yeah. where I am hurting big time. I tell you. Yeah. yeah. I, it'll be interesting when we come to that. But weirdly, I've got I've got sort of background and stories with all four of these films. Yes. Yeah, so it'll be interesting when we come to Resurrection. I think we'll get we might get the most chat out of Resurrection. Yes, I think you might be yeah. right. I think you might be right. That's a very good segue. Um, when we started up Mad Max in character, and also the thing in character, we haven't mentioned that we also do the thing in character, oh, really. Thing, yeah. yeah. Um, each one of the very first times we go into one of the films, uh, we just will uh, have a natter about how we encountered 
that film yes. for the very first time. So, Alien, then, Ian, when did you see it? How did you see it? Where did you so, see it? So, I knew it was coming out. I'd, I'd read about bits and bobs about it. I didn't know anything about the story, but I'd not seen uh, the Alien creature or designs or anything like that. But I knew, I knew there was this science fiction film, and my brother, my eldest brother, and his best mate were going to see it. This would have been late 79, probably early 80. Uh, we used to get it, used to get films very late in Oxford for some reason. Well, Can you remember no, that time when films used to go in turn around the cinemas? I think it yeah. is. Yeah, I, I think 79, it was still the case, at least here in Britain, that when a big film opened, it opened yeah. in London and yeah. the big cities for two or three months before it went out to what was called the it, provincials. Yes, yeah, exactly. And it's hard to think back to that. And it? it's like now a film opens and you can watch it that morning while you're sat in bed. Mm. Um, but yeah, back, back then you used to have to wait. Mm. And a film might only appear, if it wasn't a particularly popular film, it might only appear for a week or might not at all. You mm. might never get a film. Um, and at the time, there was only uh, there was only two cinemas in Oxford, well, three, but one of them was wasn't really a cinema. Um, so yeah, you didn't have a lot of choice. So I remember um, they were going through it, and it was like I was pestering, can I come? Can I come? Can I come? And they, I don't know why they said yes, whether they just didn't know what certificate it was. Um, so we we all trolled along, and we got to the the ticket booth and it was like yeah you two can come in but not him pointing to me like, he's too young can't go and see it so um they basically just said off you go home we're, we're going to watch the film and uh, i wandered home dejected so i didn't get to see it at the cinema um then it's, it's so long ago but i think up, by then i must have like gone out and bought the the um graphic novel or the making of Alien, or you know something like that, um, because then the next sort of uh, time I had a chance to see it was the the initial <coughs> premiere on television. Um, don't know when that would have been, probably a year or so later, uh, and it was on ITV one evening, and I remember it because I still didn't get to see the film in full. Because my brother, in the meantime, had told me all these stories about what an excellent film this was, how scary it was, what happened. And he, he told quite a few porkies about it, which which annoyed me. Because he was saying, oh, it, it gets into the cat and then the cat becomes an alien. <laughs> so when I was first watching it, it's like, oh, the cat, the cat. Hang on, the cat survived. Um, and stuff like that. But he did say about the chestburster scene. It was like, oh my god, that would scare you. It's ah, oh, just blood everywhere. So when it when it came time to um, we're watching the film, and I'm mean, really enjoying it, taping it of course. For, you know, got our little VHS tapes out, so I'm taping it and I'm watching it, and it's scaring me. I'm scared. I don't like. It's like, ooh, this is scary, but I got to watch it. And then um, the next door neighbour appeared at the door, and she basically, I mean, this this is how innocent the time it was. She said. Uh, we've just got a kitten. Do your kids want to come and see it? And uh, it was like, oh, yeah, I'll go and see it. So I rushed off to see this kitten. Um, because I think partly I do like, I love kittens. I'll always stop everything and, and you know, fuss a kitten. But also I was scared. So I, I knew this chestburster scene. So I missed the chestburster scene and came back in afterwards because I've been sort of fussing this kitten. Lovely little kitten as well. Um, so I didn't get to see it then, and I only watched the chestburster scene when I watched the film back the next day on VHS. So I taped it, um, and yeah, and, and since that point, 
I have just loved it. I th it's a, it's one of those films that seems to just grab you by your soul, and you know, you 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 either love it or you don't. Mm. You know, and I I, I couldn't believe because I I was used to like Doctor Who stuff like that, uh, the nineteen fifties stuff, nineteen sixties sci fi films. So to see this, and to my mind, this was all filmed on location. It was so gritty and realistic. It's like God, they they must be in a spaceship. They must be on this planet. It was so believable. Mm. It was just just amazing. I loved it ever since. Yep, yep. <coughs> it's 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 strange. What I don't understand about my story is that I I was at college at the time. I I, yeah. I was somewhere in my first year of college, maybe the start of my second year, and I was regularly bunking off. Um, yeah to go to London um, basically I got on the train to go to college when it reached uh, the town where my college was I hid in the toilet and then the train continued oh, up to Charing Cross it's all coming out now isn't yeah, it? yeah. And, uh, and just hid in the toilet until I got to Charing Cross and then got out and I used to every Friday because it was maths that's, that, that, that's why I used to go up there it was maths and I, I would just wander around the west end of London because there was lots of like seedy little bookshops where they sold uh, second-hand comics and yeah. science fiction paperbacks and Forbidden Planet had opened and you know and uh, and I, 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 I quite can't, I don't understand why because I was going up to London but I didn't see it in London I went to Forbidden Planet and I knew all about the film yeah. because <coughs> in that like two three months before it came out into my local cinema I had bought the the book of Alien which is a brilliant book it's still in print I, yes, uh, it, yeah. it's uh, got a new cover and everything but um, yeah I've got my original uh, copy so have I much thumbed over Ooh, the years yeah. and especially the Alien photo novel right yes yeah and I bought those on import at Forbidden Planet so I knew every beat of the film and with that photo novel they didn't uh, hold any anything back no did they? It, it's it i mean for for what we're doing is that photo novel is absolutely perfect isn't it? because you can literally almost frame by frame go through the film mm -hmm. and spot stuff yeah that was that was an amazing book if yeah. anyone hasn't got it oh it's get it tracking down, get it yeah. my mine is just in a filthy state yeah. because <laughs> it's 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 just been poured over yeah. for for decades now and so I went to London and I got them, but I didn't. For some reason, I didn't see it in so London. So you, you you read the photo novel before you saw the film. Yes, yeah. It's got to have spoiled some of the surprise. Isn't I it? knew I, I knew everything that was coming. Yeah. I didn't know the tone of it though. You know, right. all I know about the tone of it was there was a guy called Graham who was in my class at college, and he had gone to London and had seen it. And all I remember him saying was he was absolutely floored by the chestburster scene. Right. He thought it was amazing and horrific, but he also thought it was hilarious. And I can remember <laughs> back in 79 saying how funny it was the way the chestburster runs across the table. Yes, that's, that, is, that is the point where you either you've bought into it or you laugh. Yeah, and but because he actually used the words runs across the table, yeah. you don't see any little legs on the chestburster yeah. in the photo novel. So I can remember when I finally did see it in my local town, um, I was expecting the chestburster to run across the table <laughs> and it'd be almost like a Wiley e. Coyote moment because he like reckoned that, that was hilarious. Like in Spaceballs where it, it dances. Yeah, it does a little dance yeah. routine. That's what the sort of thing I was expecting. Wow. 
But like yourself, I watched it and uh, totally fell in love with it. And just like when, I, um, you know, three years later when Blade Runner came out, just immersed myself in this world and I just yeah. fell in love and ad ad adored the world that was being presented to me. It's, it's one of those films as well where literally every time you watch it, you see something. I know it's a cliche, but in this case, it's true. He, even now, like the, you watch it again and you watch it on 4K or something, and you're you're picking up stuff you didn't pick up before. Mm. It's it's so visually. I mean, most like most Ridley Scott films, it's so visually packed. Um, it it it's amazing. You just like I say you pick up new things, especially like uh, modelers and and people into costumes and that. You you just notice something new every yep. time. Yep. Um, a, another little anecdote about that. I mean, for any new listener that's out there, um, you know, Ian and I used to be projectionists. So yes, th yes. through the run of this, um, you know, this show, um, you're going to get the odd bit of projection talk. And um, when I was working at the Canterbury Cinema, we got a, a digital projector. It's the very first digital right. projector we ever had put in was a Start subtitle. The end. It, mm. We didn't know that. We never knew that. You know, everyone was in denial about, oh, it'll never yeah. beat 35 millimeter. They'll um, still need someone to, to press yeah, the button. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll you always need somebody yeah. up there, and yeah. manning levels will, you know, manning levels will go down, but they'll always need a chief. Yeah, bollocks. Yeah. Um, they knew that. But no, this, this digital projector they put in wasn't for showing digital films. It was a subtitling oh, yeah. uh, projector we had a digital projector and then this this box and you know it came out on a disc and it was a way of putting subtitles on and uh, we had that but then I worked out it had an HDMI socket on it so you could connect a DVD player up to it yeah. and I remember one morning Dave uh, one of the other projectionists I worked with he had never seen Alien on the big screen and I brought in my copy of Alien and I remember afterwards him saying just what you've just said there, that there's stuff I'd never seen before. Yeah, you know. Well, I I finally got to see it. I mean, I I certainly projected it on like late night double bills. Um, but the first time I actually got to see it as a paying customer with the full cinema experience was um, when they re-released it for the uh, director's cut. Mm -hmm. And um, I I wasn't going to go and see it, and I said, "We well, got to go and see it." It's like one of your favourite films. Like, I know, but I've I've seen it so many times. But I went along, and like within twenty minutes, I was into the film. I wasn't, I wasn't viewing something I'd seen before. I was so drawn into it. Mm. It, it, it was astonishing. It worked still. As it a pulls you film. in. Yeah, it's been difficult doing my research for our subject today oh, because yeah. as as soon as you put it on, you don't really want to turn it back off again. No. It's my comfort film. I mean, it sounds silly to have a film like this as a comfort film. If I'm not feeling particularly well, and you're feeling a bit down, a bit depressed, or, you know, you're, you're just physically ill, I'll, I'll watch this. Well, is, is this the thing? Or if I'm really perverse, The Boys in Blue. I knew you were going to say it. Yeah. <laughs> I knew um, you were gonna say my three go-to films. we got okay. to do Cannon and Ball in character order. Um, yeah, when we've run out of everything yeah, when else. we've run out of The Will to Live. Uh, but no, this this is my go-to film, and I, I'm like you. I when I first watched it, I read reviews. Or went back and read reviews in like Starburst and things like that, and people are going, uh, "Nothing happens for the first hour." And it's like what? No. I mean, God. I mean, this was the this was the era where people had started to turn on 
what were were seen as classic films like 2001 was suddenly a boring old mm. snooze fest and again I, that's one of those films where if I'm you got to be in the right mood because it's a long film to watch but it's fascinating I don't see how these I don't see how people define boring when you've got so much amazing stuff to look at on mm. screen I think, I think people pe- people are a bit spoiled now if it's not an explosional action they're, they're bored um, but they, this is yeah they, this film is just astonishing um, and I, I can remember like you going to Planet and buying all the books you know got the the the, uh, the photo novel which at the time was quite pricey wasn't it mm. it was quite a, a chunky uh, chunky investment um, and I remember as well uh we one Christmas, and uh, we was in a toy shop in Abingdon, and there on the shelf was the old Kenner alien, you know, the big, mm-hmm. the big fella. And I was, I was looking at it, going, "Oh my god, this is amazing!" And then this shows how fickle I was as a kid. So saw that, and then it was like, "Okay, well, you can only have one, one big present for Christmas. Do you want it?" And then I saw the the Kenner land speeder. I was like, "No, I'm having that." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, how I wish I had made the other choice. Yes, yeah, but you would have played it to death, oh, and you would have broken his arms yeah. off. You wouldn't yeah. love it now, would you? Well, uh, weirdly, my my mum was probably quite prescient because she said, "What are you going to play with that with? You've got loads of Star Wars figures, but oh, what yes. are you going to play with that with?" And I think she's quite right. It was like they they should have done. Can you imagine twelve inch crew figures and that to go with it? Oh. Mm. That would have been, would have been something, good. wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah, it's basically what NECA are doing now, isn't yeah, it? True, you know? Yeah, true. But yeah. back then, all right. Well, we're nearly there, folks. We're nearly there. We're almost um, um, at the point where we will talk about today's character, so we might as well um, announce him. Kane yes. is our Kane. very first character. Good old Kane. Um, I'm going to ask you this question. Pretty much every character, um, I think, to kick it off. Um, right. Do you know what Kane's first name is? Um, I always thought it was. Thomas, because I again I'm a huge fan of the uh, Alan Dean Foster novelization. I think it's one of his best. It has a few problems, but it's also I think one of his best. Very scary book. I remember reading it uh, as a child. Um, but I understand doing my research today. I understand that's not the case now. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, in the novel. Um, he's given the name Thomas, but yeah. when in Aliens, when Sigourney Weaver's in that boardroom um, talking to the company, uh, his um, picture is up there on the screen and it's given as Gilbert. Yeah, he doesn't look like a Gilbert to me. No, who do you think of um, when. Gilbert Gottfried, when I hear the name Gilbert. I think of Gilbert That's O'Sullivan. Sort of... Oh yeah, oh, different, different ages. I, if I would have called it, I would have called him Michael, and then you could have had lots of Michael Caine jokes. Yes, yes. In fact, can you imagine Michael Caine playing Caine? Yeah, we could have the That's madness bloody song. Bloody eggs down here. Yeah, we could have had the madness song playing. Yeah, as well. That's true. Yeah, yeah, um, but no, but Gil- I, I Gilbert's an old man's name. Yeah, don't you think? I don't. I don't. And also, uh, I think, I, I think I go with the novelization came out before. Before the uh, uh, aliens, so mm-hmm. I think that I think when we come to aliens, th- and possibly when we do alien as well, because there's there's a lot of detail on those um, uh, Wayland Yatani uh, sort of 
sheets we see on the screen mm. that are quite interesting, aren't they? So yeah, it's, I don't know whether I count that as canon though. I take no. that more as an in joke because well, they I... didn't think people would be pausing the film. This is this is whoever did, whoever did those graphics probably just making a lot of stuff up. Yes. Yeah, I think so. And I, I, I'm guessing they thought nobody would notice, but of course fans notice things. Um, and uh, but it, it's all been, you know, corrected because apparently it's been explained in something called Alien: The Wayland Yutani Report, which says that Gilbert is his legal name, and Thomas is an alias. Yes. All okay. right. Uh, fair That's how they. I mean, in, in in Alien, you you don't no one says the company name but it is in behind the scenes documents and i think it's on a prop somewhere um but it's it's there's no yatani and no. it's Way- wayland yes yes it? yeah it's james cameron who yeah. decided to um lose the d yeah yeah um so all right well we're nearly there folks we're nearly there um but uh, before we go into it, um, as I say, there's been a heck of a lot of literature and books and stuff like that. So he has a backstory. I guess you don't know any of the, what I'm just about to say. Pro- probably not, no. All right. It says then that um, Thomas or Gilbert Kane uh, was a star pupil throughout early education, graduating with honours from Weatherly Private School before becoming top of his, top of his class at Gunning Moss Military School. But during his time studying medicine at the Bryce Watkins Medical University, he developed a medication addiction, eventually leading to an embolism that hospitalized him for 107 days. After being expelled from the university and with his plans to enter the medical profession ruined, Kane attended Wellington Academy in Suffolk, where he obtained a master's in engineering and a GB UK pilot's license. Hold on, though, that's Clemens backstory is it from alien 3 yeah charles dance what about the addiction part yeah he 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 was going to be a doctor and he was addicted and he had an overdose and someone else died from it and he was it was brushing that where's this come from is this is this retro or was this actually in documents i don't know if this is retro i don't know if no 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 i think this is from novels and stuff oh uh, okay i don't believe it yeah but I just thought I would mention it, though. Yeah. No, All it's right. interesting. Because also, I, the, the character we see on screen, nothing about him screen, screams, I've been to uh, uh, military school. No. These are, these, are, these are truckers. These are the, not even the merchant navy. These are ferry well, I think this people. Yeah, but this, the, the next bit that comes up is kind of explaining why he's where he is on the Nostromo. Because it says that... Uh, he, he was posted as executive officer aboard the UKMS outreach hospital ship although while there his medical addiction resurfaced he was relieved of his post and though he was able to get clean of his addiction he subsequently descended into alcohol- alcoholism he was transferred to the UKS, UKCS POW a commercial towing vehicle before serving as executive officer aboard the USCS Gila. By the time of his posting to the Nostromo, Kane had been clean of his addictions for some time. So he's like a disgraced. I hope I hope the uh, the USS Gila is named after Derek Gila. No, no, it's oh, that's it, a shame. it's Gila. You know the producer from the Alien films. You know, same as Powell is Ivor Powell, one of Ridley this, Scott's yeah. uh, guys the, on the first the, film. This this 
this annoys me a bit. This this backstory, whoever thought of this for him, because it's it it sort of sums up. I I I might be on a limb here. I might be going out on a limb, and if I if I'm completely wrong, please someone tell me. This sounds like a backstory made up by an American, and it's that that weird weird American idea that if if you try, you can succeed in life. Mm. So, so everyone's got to be a reason why they've ended up doing a dead end job. Yeah, I'm sorry. Come to Britain, and you'll see why you end up in a dead end job. And it's <laughs> nothing to do with your ability or how much you try or anything like that. The, the, I, I just see these people. I don't see these characters as having these massive backstories where they felt they're just jobbing bloody yes. people. Yeah. You know, are you you're telling me that if we went down the ferry docks and found a a trucker? sat in his cab and went, what, what's your tragic backstory? I mean, how many of them do you think would be, well, I was top of my class in this, and I have no, oh, just... Yeah, I mean, I mean, the, the original Alien, we didn't need their first names. No. Nope. So, certainly not their backstories, you don't need it, do you? You don't need any of it, they, these are... These are both the most lightly sketched characters, but because of the sheer caliber of acting involved, mm-hmm. you don't need anything else. You know everything you need to know about um, uh, Kane's character. You need you know you know everything you need to know about Dallas. You don't need these tragic backstories. It, this this is the this is both the the sort of plus and the minus about having fandom that builds up, isn't it? That that you want to do more with these characters mm-hmm. and you shouldn't do more with these characters these characters were there for a specific purpose and they've done that and you build up this backstory where if it's a TV show you you cannot on a t- on a recurring TV show you cannot have a story where every week it's the most important thing that ever happens to that character mm-hmm. because it becomes melodrama it becomes stupid but conversely a film or a one-off book has to be the most important thing that happens to that character in their life otherwise why are you telling that story yeah what's the point yeah Yeah. tell the more interesting story and it always annoys me it's like that there's this star wars is especially like it's like you don't need these backstories no oh well no i don't take that as canon for myself all right okay well i don't think it is canon i don't think it is all right what what potentially is canon and we're only really going to do this when when we return each time to alien is of course there is of course the dan o'bannon original script yes yeah which i thought that we could consider before talking about what we actually saw up on yeah, the screen this, yeah it's unusual this isn't it and i think I th- any other film i think it shares with is something like the thing where you've got an almost fully fleshed out script that was very different that was mm. going to be made. Yeah, it, norm, normally you get little tweaks here and tweaks there, but yeah, the Dan O'Bannon script is, is very different, isn't it? Yeah. Now, um, with the thing in character, um, we talk about, you know, roughly around the time that something happens in John Carpenter's The Thing, what happened yeah. in the novella or, you know, the Howard Hawks version. But I thought we would just quickly go through relevant points in the Dan O'Bannon script. Before we get into the meat of today's episode, which is talking about the Ridley Scott film, all right? Yeah. So, all right, Dan O'Bannon's script then. Uh, Kane was called Del Brosard. Is it Brosard? Brosard? Brosard. Yeah, one, one of the above. Yeah, and in that, he's not the 
first officer. He's the ship's navigator yeah. in he's, that. Yeah, he's Lambert's part, basically, isn't he, in that? Yes, yeah. So, I, yeah, you just quickly go through any relevant little, you know, uh, um, sim- similarities to what we see on screen yeah. or differences. So... Um, when the crew wake up and they're having their breakfast, they think they're near Earth, and before you know, they find out that that's not where they are, um, they're all going to be rich. Whatever they've you know uh, yeah. brought back with them, they're going to be rich. And Broussard talks about how he's going to buy a cattle ranch with animals that look like, in quotes, real cows. And I like that because that is almost... I, I, have you seen a lot of people... And I, I agree with it. I, I, yeah. I, I can see... I know where you're going, yeah. Yeah, I can see the alien, at least alien, not aliens or what comes up, but alien I can totally see fitting in the world of Blade Runner. Yes, yeah. 100%. I mean, even, even if you take just superficial evidence, uh, then it does, doesn't it? Because, like... They, they, he reuses special effects shots, things like that, um, graphics. So yeah, but I think it fits perfectly. Mm, yeah. Well, what are you going to do with a ranch of all of near perfect imitations of animals, though? Do they give out imitation I milk? I do doubt it. Wouldn't you have to like feed stuff in? I don't know. I mean, milk seems to be in abundance in Alien. I mean, yes, Ash is glugging right. it down um, yeah. enough. Yeah. Well, they, the the uh, the androids seem to run on it, don't they? Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's, like, it's yeah. like oil to them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and in the O'Bannon script, um, it's it's Kane, it's Brossard that seems to be quite excited. He says, "What we have here is a chance to be the first men to contact a non-human intelligence." Right. Yeah. So so. That, that there it's stated in in this story nobody's ever encountered anything that's not human but in alien they don't seem that you know well i think i think bothered that, by it yeah and that's one of the things that annoys me about aliens um yeah in alien humankind's not found any aliens it's not a routine thing so when they do get that uh you know they get the um the broadcast and and Dallas's mother thinks it's of non-human origin. They're shocked. They're mm. like, what the hell? Yeah, whereas in, as soon as it gets to aliens, it's like, ah, oh, we're fighting. Yes, it's going to be a bug hunt. Week. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I think that cheapens it horribly, um, which is why Alien is a far superior film, I think. But. Yes, yeah. Um, of course, Bro- Brosard goes out with Captain Standard. Yeah. Dallas is called Standard. Yeah. And, and, and Melconis who is Lambert, basically, yeah. uh, to check out the source of that transmission, and they find a ship. Um, Dan O'Bannon calls it uh, a, a, joke, a gigantic toadstool, like it's grown out of the ground. Yeah. And uh, somewhere down the line, we're going to have a special episode on, on the derelict. We're not really going to focus on the derelict too much today. Um, yeah, they discovered that huge skeleton sat in a control chair. Uh, more about that in our Dallas episode. Um, and scratched on the control panel, they find uh, the image of a pyramid. Yeah. Um, and nearby is an empty urn. Um, they go back with the pilot's skull, and next morning the dust storm has cleared away, and they can see in the distance this stone pyramid. And that's when we get Brossard, Kane being lowered down on a winch from the top of the pyramid. All right. Yeah. Th- this this is um, this is why you get people and they look at scripts and they 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 bring things together and they uh, they simplify it because again it's very this is a very complicated 
going out, coming back, going yes. out, going yeah. obviously in the film. It's interesting though that you're right. The the, the overriding um, thought from Kane in in the Dan O'Bannon, and that does hold over to the novelisation somewhat, is that he's constantly looking for that pot of gold. He's yes. constantly looking yes. for the easy money and the treasure, um, which you don't really get in the film. The, the dialogue's cut back so much. But it's certainly in the novelisation, Kane is a bit of a fantasist mm. treasure seeker. Yes, yeah. And he's an excitable one because, you yes. know, um, he, he's lowered down. He finds this, this chamber full of these urns. He finds hieroglyphics all on the wall, all these strange hieroglyphics on the wall. Very uh, H.P. Lovecraft-style statues, gigantic yeah. statues of these, um, you know, creatures that are half, you know, human, half octopus. And, um, yeah, he finds this row of leathery urns, or jars, as Dan O'Bannon calls, calls it, all got sealed lids, and um, he puts his hand on one of them, and all these, like, raised dimples come up, um, and he, he, for some reason he turns round, looks at the hieroglyphics, when he turns back, the, uh, the urn is now open, there's a hole in the top of it, and... Um, off to one side is the stopper. Basically, a stopper's come off the top of the urn yeah. and, and fallen like on the floor. Yeah, they're like jars, they? Yes, yes, yeah. And, um, and then I'll just read from the script. It says, Then he turns the light to the now-open urn and bends over the mouth of the urn, shining the light in, and with shocking violence, a small octopus-like thing leaps out and attaches itself to his face, wrapping its tentacles around his head. With a muffled scream, he launches himself backward, tearing at the things with his hands. So, I mean, that's pretty accurate to what we see, um, yeah. finally. Um, so, if we go down through the script, um, yeah, when he wakes up, he can't remember anything. Um, um, it, j just a dream of smothering, um, just like in the film. And uh, he's hungry, just like we see in the films. And, um, yeah, that, they're all eating, they're grumbling about the food and what it's made out of, etc, etc, etc. Very similar. Um, and then, yeah, he starts uh, grimacing and groaning, um, says that he's getting terrible cramps, and, um, yeah, <laughs> a red smear of blood blossoms on the chest of Broussard's tunic. Their eyes are all riveted to Broussard's chest as the fabric of his tunic is ripped open, and a horrible, nasty little head the size of a man's fist pushes out. Everyone screams and leaps back from the table. The cat spits and bolts. You okay. you can you can visualise this scene done by Roger Corman as it was originally meant to be, can't you? Yes. You can, you can see this scene. It would have been a, a hand puppet, probably like a um, you know uh, what was that Gremlins knockoff? Oh, I can't remember. But the cheap little thing with tooth teeth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this would have been horrible. Yeah, I mean, it's very common dialogue as yeah. well um, afterwards because, you know, uh, one of the people says, what was that? What the Christ was that? Melconis says, it was growing in him the whole time and he didn't even know it. And then Roby says, that thing used him for an incubator, you know? And it's like, yeah, we've just seen... Stared, we've Yeah, they all stared at the screen and said, you got it now? Yes, yeah. <laughs> And, um, yeah, and then exterior ship out of space, a hatch slides open on the side of the ship and Broussard's rat body tumbles silently out. An electronic bass drum beats a dirge as Broussard drifts into eternity. 
All right. So here we are. We are 40 minutes into the episode, and we're finally going to talk about him. Talk about right. the film that we've come to discuss. Yes. So <laughs> off we go then. Right. Yes. So with all that out of the way, let's go get into it. And of course, uh, beginning of the film, the classic opening titles. Yeah. Um, um, Superb. Jerry yeah. Goldsmith's score. The score, fa- fabulous. You were saying about you can put on, you know, the film if you're feeling low or down yeah. at all, and you know uh, it gets you through it. The soundtrack, uh, superb soundtrack. I can be in any mood and I can put that on, and you know, <laughs> yeah. um, it, it does its job. Yes, yeah. Um, so th- this caption comes up, and we learn that this is the commercial towing vehicle and a Stromo. Uh, of course, originally it was the Snark, wasn't it? Yeah. And then I'm for glad a while, they went it, with Nostromo. Yeah, and uh, for a while it was the Leviathan as well, wasn't yeah. it? Um, now we're going to hold off on too much talk of the ship as yeah. um, as. The ship, areas of the ship, yeah, Yeah, just, um, we'll be discussing in other episodes, Um, each episode we're going to talk about other things to do with Alien, not just that Alien character, alright? So, we've got a crew of seven, it says, and they're returning to Earth, okay, Um, and we go inside to a corridor, that is the engineering deck, isn't it, the first uh, corridor we see is engineering deck, again, on other episodes, we're going to try and work out just where everything is happening in relation to other rooms, etc., etc. Yes. And we, uh, we're old friends with uh, the wall panels. Ian, this, yeah. Ian very often preempts me because Ian thinks the same way I do. And my next note <laughs> I put here, just mention here, though, the metal slatted panels yeah. on the wall <laughs> yeah, that are they, backlit. They, they were sold... Um, to the BBC and they get used in everything most of the stuff we like Doctor Who, Blake 7 other shows uh, Hitchhiker's Guide um, they whoever, whoever built these panels by God they, they got their money's worth didn't they I think they're pallets I think they're, that, that, that yeah, they're they actually like, pallets yeah. yes and yeah. they were incredibly cheap and incredibly yeah. available in their hundreds yeah. and yet um as Ian says, that, that you see them all over the place in Doctor Who, all over the place in Blake 7. Uh, they're here in the engineering corridor, backlit as wall yeah. panels. They are more noticeable in Aliens as part of the gridded floor panels, yes. aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they use them all over. This was, um, I think certainly for me, I know Star Wars had a bit of the grungy, dirty down look, but this was the, the first uh and again, very, very British. It's a crap spaceship in space. Not crapping as it looks cheap renting, but it's this is this is how a spaceship would look if it's being used to be worked on. It's not a NASA type spaceship, it's not, you know, Space Ninety Ninety Nine super clean. This this is this is greasy, grimy, dirty, smelly. This is a British ship. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, an awful lot of... I mean, you said it was in Star Wars. An awful lot of what we're seeing is to do with Roger Christian. Yes. um, Who... Who's a genius. Who is a genius. Who, you know, was given the job as production designer on the first Star Wars film with very little money. But had the genius idea of actually going to the aircraft scrapyards and just buying up all this stuff dirt cheap yeah and and dressing sets with junk because someone else has already designed this yes you don't have to do the the because if you look at like a, a 
say a Doctor Who control panel and it's been designed by a designer and it, it's very Spartan they didn't have the money everything looks like what it is but with when you're reusing actual control panels actual engineering everything's been designed everything looks designed everything looks like it's doing something mm -hmm. it's really clever yep and as I say I mean he got an Oscar for it on yeah. Star Wars he basically if you look at the interior of the Millennium Falcon that's Roger if you yeah. look at the uh, Lars Homestead a lot of the functional stuff in there that's Roger if you look yeah. in the Mos Eisley Cantina that's Roger and quite deservedly got an Oscar for it and um, you know but when he came to work on Alien he had an unlimited budget and he went back to those yeah, you know <laughs> aircraft yards in Norfolk bought it all up um, we haven't mentioned that uh, we also do a show called Effectively Speaking, yes. a podcast on movie special effects. And on the Facebook page, I'll put a link to the episode where I interviewed Roger Christian yes, on his true, work yeah. on Star Wars and um, an Alien. And thoroughly nice bloke, uh, really entertaining interview. I'll put the link up. Um, but also, he uh, has a book called Cinema Alchemist. Um, that he wrote is a memoir on his time you know designing Star Wars and Alien and uh, I've got it in front of me here and I've got a couple of quotes from Roger about what we're seeing because of course you know we go from that engineering corridor um, we get to the the mess hall and the dipping birds you know and it pans yeah. past you know the uh, food preparation area and uh, this is um, this is what Roger says I've got a few quotes from him uh, first one he says Ian Whitaker and I went round the cruise quarters, corridors, infirmary, holds and low, lower corridors and all the sets on H stage. We went to the bridge and placed the final cruise personal dressings. These are the little things that personalise the environment, like the dice in the Millennium Falcon cockpit. I left used coffee cups with the Whaling Yutani emblem placed on them around their consoles. And these are symbolic as familiar objects and other small details that may or may not be seen but personalise the dressing. Right. Yeah. He, he then says, in the crew quarters, we decided to leave the commissary table as if they had left a meal in progress and Ridley came up with the idea of the pecking birds that work by perpetual motion. All right. Yeah. Then he says, uh, for the next scenes when the crew have woken up from hypersleep, we thought a lot about what the crews would eat from, where their food would be stored and what kind of food. As the first meal we see them eat is breakfast, crews like the Nostromo truckers would eat basic stuff like cornflakes, as this could be easily stored. We added this in PVC containers, much the same principle applied to the containers in Uncle R, Lars and Aunt Bruce Homestead. We saw suitable designs of plastic tableware and containers that felt right. Okay. So, there you go. Um, yeah. Also, something I, I, I should point out is when that camera pans past the uh, uh, the food preparation area, you've got the Back to the Future machine on the wall, haven't you? It's the yeah, coffee. Mr. Fusion. Yeah. Mr. Fusion. There's two Mr. Fusions on the wall as coffee makers, you know, yeah. which always makes me smile. Yes. Um, it looks a very practical kitchen area. It does. It looks good in a caravan. It does. Mm. I, 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 I didn't I, know that one. Oh no, mother's gone mental. <laughs> All right, um, I take it you've seen the deleted scene when Kane gets up yes. and he's standing yeah. there and he's making coffee, and it's a terrible scene because yeah, it's it's not good. In uh, all, all of these deleted scenes, the first time I saw them was I I bought the massive laserdisc box set 
um, mainly for the making of because it, it did a, a CAV side form was like a CAV side and you add frame by frame and there was just like thousands and thousands of pages of text and photos and things uh, but they included all these deleted scenes but yeah it's not you can see why they cut it it's terrible because he's I mean we only hear you know John Hurt's side of the conversation but he he he, he absolutely announces each person he gives them yeah. their name and it's like Dallas Ripley or Parker and uh, you know it's Parker's e- there then. exposition isn't it? And yeah, yeah 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 and, and yeah. you don't need it you don't need it at all I'm, I'm glad they cut that bit out yeah. alright so you know the camera's still panning around we haven't seen anyone yet um, you know goes past the food dispenser down past the turn off to a ladder which goes down to the lower deck and the camera turns and we're on the bridge yeah and we hear a box move and papers rustling um, and people have said, oh, what is that? What is, you know, uh, what made the box move, blah, blah, blah. But air's coming back in, isn't it? Air yeah. is, the, the, the ship is waking up. Um, there is a deleted scene when they're talking about, you know, after after Kane's died and, you know, how they're going to, you know, catch the alien. And Ash says something about, we have limited amount of air, right? So um, I think when they go into sleep, air is removed you know yeah um, well you, uh, you would wouldn't you you would you wouldn't there's no point having air i mean it, it, it's certainly in a novelization they mention it that they could use up all their air but the trouble is then they would uh, they would arrive back at earth and the petals of the sleep chamber would open up to a vacuum yeah. <laughs> and it, they're sort of going well perhaps someone could get in quickly um, getting quickly yeah but yeah mm. they're, 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 yeah it's basically a vacuum and and I mean, later on when I think the, the the petal room is is filled first, isn't it? Because later on when it opens, you see the gowns getting sucked in. Yeah. You know. well, I yeah. suppose actually know that it'd be the last to be filled, which is a bit silly, really. Yes, it is. First. It is. And of course, this is Ridley Scott. Um, you know, he he wanted a bit of movement. The, yes. Yeah. The uh, the the uh, papers rustling that we see and everything. That's Roger. That's Roger just out of yeah. shot with a hairdryer. Um, and blowing it, it was as simple as that. Yeah, my fav- my favourite thing that you see in a few reviews is where people say um, they they didn't even cut it out when the camera hits the table, and it's like you you, you honestly think that if that wasn't intended, yeah, that would stay in. This is Ridley oh, Scott, but never mind. Yeah, and, it's not the BBC. No, and and Ridley Scott, I mean, top of the game, Ridley Scott yeah, exactly, here. Yeah. You know, um, everything is happening for a reason. He overthought yeah. things, and um, you, you know, which is why we have the uh, masterpiece that we've got up yeah. on screen. You know, um, so we're in we're we're on the bridge set now, and we've got another nodding toy in the background, and we have. One of my favourite moments is this moment yeah. where the computers come on and we've got the computer chatter um, um, that we see via two helmets there, yeah. you know? And it, it, it's fantastic because this is something else. I mean, we're talking about the visuals, we're talking about the score, but sound design... Oh, the sound effects on this are brilliant. It's fabulous. Really the good, sound yes. design is, is amazing in this film. Yeah. I, I also love the fact that like we see, we see the monitors and that, and they're just they're covered in old bits of electrical tape. You know, there's bits stuck to them. Um, um, yeah, it's it's really good. What's it's interesting though as well, isn't it? Because each each 
when you watch it on like 4K, each desk, each bank of controls has the person's name on it. Yes. As to who's using it, which, you know, I didn't notice for years. And I think it's Ash's yeah. desk actually has a photo of a cat. Exactly. Yeah. Ash is the one that has the photo of Jen. So people go, yes. <laughs> what, you know, who's, why would you take a cat and go, it's Ash's cat? Yes. Uh, which I think, again, shows the superiority of uh, androids. <laughs> they, <laughs> they choose a cat. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, the, 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 this sound design, when they're talking to each other, the two computers, yes. that, there's a bit right near the end, and it sounds to, always sounded to me like it's a treated piece of human dialogue. It sounds yes, like yeah. A, like a, chatter, yeah, like yeah, just, yeah, and it sounds yeah. almost like Sigourney Weaver. It's like, you know, I, I don't know. I'd love yeah, to see it, something. Yeah. It's never been shown, has it? How they came up with sound no. design? I mean, on I, Star I've Wars, probably forgotten to be fair. Yeah, in Star Wars, it's always yeah. Ben Burt, Ben Burt, yeah. Ben Burt. But, but whoever was coming up with these did a bloody good job. Yeah, the sound, the soundscape on this entire film is just amazing. Yep. And yeah, I remember the first time I watched it in um, Dolby. Around, yeah. You know, well, you know, it's, it's like, oh, so good. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we'll, we'll move to the sleep room then. The sleep room yes. opens, as you say. The robes move, and uh, the first person we see is our boy, is yes, Kane. Yeah. It's Kane, flanked by uh, Parker and uh, Ash, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. I think that this is again a little bit of a psycho style misdirection, and it? it's like. Because you're used to that the first character you see is going to be the most important. And they, they give him a beauty shot. Yeah. It's a massive close-up and he gets a crossfade. It stays on scene. him. You, yeah, you, you yeah. do feel that Kane is going to be yeah. a major character. Maybe yes. the main character. Um, as he wakes up, I'll just mention the Alan Dean Foster novel, which I've got in yep. front of me as well. Um, and Alan Dean Foster, we've discussed on the thinging character that sometimes he was being paid by the word, and he would. He, um, yeah, he was much more verbose with his dialogue. Yes, yes, and and some of the things we think in his novels, he's not taking that from the script. He's embellishing, no. isn't he? Yes. And uh, and every character in the Alien novel is introduced about how they dream. All right. So yes. what he says about Kane, he he says here. Kane was less controlled in thought and action than was Dallas and possessed far less imagination. He was a good executive officer. Never would he be a captain. That requires a certain drive coupled with the ability to command others, neither of which Kane had been blessed with. His dreams were translucent, formless shadows compared to those of Dallas's, just as Kane was a thinner, less vibrant echo of the captain. That did not make him less likable but pro-dreaming requires a certain extra energy and Kane had barely enough for day-to-day -day living. So there you go. Now, yeah. but what, what is interesting there, what he wrote there, is saying about a thinner, less vibrant echo of the captain. And I always get from it that Kane hero-worships Dallas. He yeah, really I looks up to Dallas. Yeah, I think I think Kane... Yeah, Kane sees the captain as... as sort of sacrosanct and it is yeah he he looks up to dallas he hangs on dallas's every word um it's interesting that, that alan dean foster says that you know kane couldn't command others um but realistically that is exactly what an exo's job is mm. you know the captain doesn't order people about individually the exo's job is that um but yeah i i, I quite like the novel interpretation of Kane. It's a little bit different than we see on screen. Um, but but yeah, it's I, he definitely 
because none of these people are particularly militaristic in their behaviour, their gait, the way they operate, other than Ash, weirdly. Ash is the most militaristic, um, for various reasons, I suppose. But Kane never comes across as, this is what I say, I, I don't see him having, a, having gone to military school or anything. He's more, he's more the idealistic young officer. He's Hornblower, isn't he? He yes. wants the adventure. He wants the adventure, and he well, hasn't he, he hasn't had it kicked out of him yet. No, I mean that's why he volunteers to go out exactly, yeah, yeah, on the away well, team, doesn't he? Yeah, well, he's he he sets all of this in motion, really, doesn't he, to one extent? Because like when they've landed on the planetoid, he's the one that says, "Oh, it's in walking distance," and yes. then he finds the hatch. Now, weirdly, in the um, the, the the comic version is slightly different, as is the novelization. But in the film, you get the feeling it's him that wanted to go down there, and again, I, he's looking for his. He's looking for his adventure, mm. um, whereas everyone else is wonderfully cynical and world weary. Yeah, the ultimate being yeah. Lambert. And we've all, <laughs> yeah, the ultimate Lambert. We've all, we've all worked. We all know these people. We, we are these people, and we've worked with yeah, the boss's son that comes in and is wants everyone to be enthusiastic and still thinks it's, oh, isn't this amazing? You know, yeah. we're writing software. No, it's not, mate. No. Um, so that's how I see Kane. Yeah, he's he's still got a bit of enthusiasm left in him. Yes, yes. Unlike the others. Yeah. 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 So we're at the breakfast scene now, aren't we? Yes, we're at the yeah. breakfast scene, and and you know, lovely overlapping dialogue. That doesn't yeah. Match the lips at all. No, but this is great filmmaking. Yeah. You oh, know, because yeah. in within seconds, you know the characters, you yeah. like the characters, and you remember the characters, yeah. right? I mean, you compare this introductory scene to anything that you see in, you know, Alien Covenant or Alien Three, yeah. where they're all just bland and instantly forgettable. You know. Yeah. Yeah, these are these are all very much individuals, um, and like you say, they've all got a different look. They've all got different personalities, and this this breakfast scene. In fact, this this next scene where you get the breakfast, and then the you know Dallas telling them what's going on, and and the moaning about the bonus situation tells you everything you need to know about these characters. You've yep. got it pegged at that point. Totally believable, yeah. aren't they? Yeah, totally believable. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Something I find always funny now watching Alien is, you know, the amount of smoking that Kane yes. does, um, and, and and the logistics of actually smoking in a <laughs> a sealed spaceship yes. like this, yeah. you know, um, and and it it it's the amount he smokes, but what he smokes, these horrible yellow ones yeah. that he he smokes. I mean, they use them in in Blade Runner as well, and we're over to Roger Christian. It's down to him. Uh, what oh, yeah. he's smoking he, uh, the quote says uh, he's smoking a Russian Sobran cigarette I had used these cigarettes in the Jason King TV series as I like the colour of them a beige kind of faded yellow colour that l- looked much better on screen instead of the usual white paper they had cardboard filters to smooth out the smoke, it gave them a more interesting look I felt hmm? Okay, yeah, it certainly adds to the atmosphere Yes, it is. <laughs> As if there wasn't enough already. Yeah. yeah. And um, Kane's not taking part in any of the talk over the breakfast thing. He's more interested in the monitors that are yeah. um, above. And I think you're right. He's the young buck. He wants yeah. to get on and, and do the job. You know, he's not interested well, yeah. in, in Com- compare his 
yeah, compare his reaction to Parker's. Can I finish my coffee? Yes, yeah. yeah. No, he's off. And, um, yeah. you know, his first dialogue, he, he hasn't said a word yet. His first dialogue is actually when they've assumed their roles on the bridge. And yeah. his first line of dialogue is, OK, plug us in, as he has yeah. his second cigarette. And uh, terrific bridge. I love the way the chairs, you know, move forward, move them to their desks and everything. And um, when he says scan, okay, that's a callback to the Dan O'Bannon script because in the Dan O'Bannon script, uh, they see a sun, but they know it's not the Earth's sun. And he thinks that they are home, they are in our solar system, but um, the monitors are pointing at a different star on very high magnification. You know? Yeah, they, they do that in the novelization as well, don't they? You think they might come out ass backwards. Yes. Um, I, I like this, though, as well, that because they're in a sealed environment, without checking your instruments and double-checking it, you wouldn't know where the hell you were. No. You know, you're not looking out of windows to, you know, to say, oh, we're, we're here, we're at Earth. Um, I love this this opening bridge scene where, um, yeah, there's there's a bit of banter, a bit of light-heartedness. Yeah. A, a smattering of worry starts to creep in, um, but yeah, you you get the feeling that that uh, um, Kane has a better relationship with Lambert than he does with uh, Ripley. But yes. then, of course, we get a line of dialogue. I don't know. I don't know whether it's in this version or the director's cut or just a novelization. That of course Ripley is a new replacement as well as Ash. Yes. Um, yeah. So it could be that he's worked with Lambert before. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. they seem to have a bit of a, a a nice bit of banter backwards and forwards. Yeah, um, I, I like his. Uh, you know, I find that hard to believe. Yeah. He sort of says under his breath, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, it's really nicely done. Yeah. Um, and he says to contact traffic control. Yeah. So contact I'm assuming. Antarctica traffic control. Yeah. So I'm assuming there's a lot of space lane use then. There's yeah, a lot of spacecraft well, around yeah. Earth. And that makes me think that this is the Blade Runner universe, the off world yeah. colonies. You've got ships going to and from the off world colonies all the time. Well, this, this is where, um, like, the, the, where Prometheus and that comes in and, and sort of skews this timeline up. Because. Realistically, you don't. It doesn't matter when this is set, because it's a self-contained horror story. It's a haunted yes. house movie, um, so you don't really care. But now you, you know it's set in what is it? Twenty. I hate it. I hate yeah, it. It's, yeah, it's so. It doesn't fit. But yeah, at this point, the whole the whole idea is that that this type of space trucking is. Every every day, these are like say these are the equivalent of people going backwards and forwards on the ferries to Europe. Yes, yeah. There's no nothing. There's no glamour yeah, to it. No there's, glamour whatsoever. Nothing yeah. special. That's I, I I hate the fact that we've now got a timeline for the Alien films. Yeah. I love that about Alien is it's never stated. You don't we, need it. We've said yeah exactly, and we've said time and time again. As soon as you put a date up, sooner yeah. or later it's going to go out of date. I mean, Blade yes. Runner 2019, you know, Escape yeah. from New York 1999, you know, UFO 1980. Um, no, it, it, it spoils it. I'd like the fact that it's somewhere in the future. You can't tell me that you've got the capabilities of the Nostromo and everything like that in the next 150 years it's, no. it's not going to happen no. um, it's, it, 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 and again it doesn't need to be set um, doesn't need to be nailed down when it is you know it's, it's a bit like the old um, universal horrors they exist in their own little world you don't need to 
nail it down, it just throws up more questions. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, it's fine as is, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so when Dallas has been to see Mother and he comes out and he explains yeah. what's up, um, Kane is totally focused. Oh, on, he's, he's on, like a little puppy on, dog, isn't he? He's, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Totally focused on him like a little puppy dog. <laughs> I Where I can tap right. We I'm, have I'm, but one brain cell. We're we are. <laughs> he, he he is. He never takes yeah, his eyes off of. Eager, uh, yeah. He never takes his um, uh, eyes off of Dallas, does he? No. You know, throughout of it, and he, he asks him SOS. Um, yeah. You know. know. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's just incredible um, how he he does look up to yeah. um, Dallas, we, doesn't he? Yeah, we should say as well that all this dialogue is done in such a naturalistic way. Yes. It is is probably the the best dialogued movie where you 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 don't you, at no point do you ever think this is an actor. Oh, he's delivered that really well. No, you're, these are characters. This this dialogue is 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 sparse but perfectly formed. Yeah. Um, and this scene is great. And I again, I love the difference between. Um, Kane's, um, he's like oh, alien. Oh, all mm. excited, and then Parker's. Yeah, we got any money for this? Well, this is the problem. I mean, and we're going to have this time and time again. Yeah. I thought about Alien is when you're podcasting, you're looking at one person. Yes. But this next bit, it's hard to watch Kane when the squabble breaks out between yes, Ash yeah. and Parker because it is so fascinating. It's you brilliant. know. Um, it's hard to actually take your eyes off of Ash and Parker, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's um, well, I can't can't say anything yet, but yeah, I they're great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, now, of course, I've been watching the Blu-ray, and the Blu-ray yes. Ridley Scott has put things back in, so um, it's oh, you're no watching lo- the um, yeah, director's it, cut. Yeah. yeah, so it's no longer a deleted scene that they listen to the yeah this transmission. Yeah, this this is weird. So first, saw, again, first saw this. Uh, transmission scene on the Blu-ray, and that version was so much more effective with the original sound effects on mm. that because it was it did sound really alien and scary. And when Lambert goes, my God, or Kane goes, my God, and it's like yeah. they're so. Bah! Whereas this version, especially because we've had two versions of this scene now, there's the version that that was originally released, and then the newer version of it with a slightly different sound effect. But the, the, they're both horribly mundane mm, yeah it, 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 it's the old um, Obi-Wan Kenobi first Star Wars yep, the yep. you know crate Dragon call isn't it and it's uh, yes. it no, like worse. It. yeah yeah um, but next we've got the amazing undocking sequence of yeah. the of the Nostromo from the platform um, and I refer you to our Facebook page I'll put a link because yes um, I've done this covered this haven't we? yeah I've covered this with Martin Bauer one of the yeah. Martin uh, model makers uh, well well, yeah, he he he's the one who worked with Ridley Scott when Ridley Scott was describing how the arm came out, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so, yeah, 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 folks, if you want to listen to Martin explain just how they went about that and did that, um, so we have the um, the Nostromo landing on the planet, and yep. Dan O'Bannon oh, liked this, didn't he? He did, and I, I think this is this is one of my favourite ship landings ever because we're so used to like ships landing as routine and it's not dangerous it's not unpredictable you know, like the c57d coming in and millennium falcon just lands and takes off at the yeah. drop of a hat and this shows as it would be that 
just landing something can be catastrophic because you don't know what you landed on. You don't know whether this planet can take the weight. Yeah. You don't know, you know, whether the wind will shear off at the bottom. This is the best landing sequence ever. Yep, yep. Because the Nostromo isn't exactly aerodynamic, is it? No, it's got all the aerodynamics of a bread van dropped off a cliff. Yes, it's yeah. not. Yeah, it's it's great, and and again, wonderful, wonderful model sequence. Yes, yep. Thank uh, God they had such a big model of it. Yes, yep, and uh, yeah, it's fabulous, and they land, and yeah, things have broken, and um, I like the way that Kane actually preempts Parker and Brett and goes dry dock time. You know, yeah, <laughs> he knows, yeah, because he's a good exec, isn't he? He knows what they're gonna say. Yep, um, yep. Dry dock. Yeah, I love that beautiful shot when um, Dallas says kick on the floods yeah and we have the lights the under the underneath lights of the nostromo light up that, that, that that's a beautiful shot it's a great shot i love the fact that they're just higgledy piggledy as well they don't they're not perfect lines no no yeah yeah no that is good and kane is very eager in all this yeah, um, he wants out don't he? he wants to go out exploring this yeah. wonderful new planet everyone it, else is like yeah i'm not leaving my seat mate <laughs> he seems quite disappointed when he yeah. says we can't go anywhere in this um, now, of course, in the garages down below in the engineering decks, there were like transport. Down below you, I was going, oh, what's in your garage? <laughs> I just happen to have the original set of this. Yeah. That would be something. No, but uh, no, you have got vehicles, haven't you? There yes, are a yeah. couple like buggy yeah. things. So I think when Kane says we can't go anywhere in this, the intention was to you know lower one of them down to the ground and they go yeah. off in a very what, lost in space Smith yeah. family what, what, Robinson what, buggy what a lot of people sort of see, forget because they're used to aliens is this isn't a planet this is a planetoid it's mm. tiny it's 2,000 2,000 kilometres yes in, in diameter or circumference it's like minuscule and yes. the day the day and the nights come around like every two hours it's two hours um, a day is two yeah, hours yes exactly yeah so, so yeah, they, it basically says um, uh, daylight's coming up, and they check the atmosphere, and it's just horrendous, primordial, as Ash says. Yes. And then, yeah, Kane is the one that says about the distance. It's walking distance. Yes. And I love, you know, you know my my love of Mel Gibson in Mad Max Two, where he does his little smile. Mm. I the scene I love with Dallas in this is when he goes when Kane goes walking distance goes, and Dallas does that sort of uh, <laughs> it's brilliant yes. it's, that is like my favourite bit of acting in this film it's so good yeah um, da- Dallas is great and yeah. Dallas will have his own episode later on um, but I, I like the way Dallas says when when you know Kane volunteers to be in the first group to go yeah. out that figures that figures goes, yeah <laughs> and then poor old Lambert gets like roped in yeah and she I like Lam- Lambert's face yeah. as well swell swell yeah <laughs> and there's a throw a away line from Dallas yep. as they yep. all make to go when he says break out the weapons yep well because as we as we sort of find out from the director's cut yeah they they, they had because a lot people will say why don't they use weapons on the alien it's like there's reasons for it they tell you in the film why they can't shoot the bloody thing they go into much more detail in the novelization there's a whole scene which I imagine probably was in the original script mm. because it it, it it makes sense um, but yeah, they all take those wonderful side arms. You've got one of them, haven't you? I got you one. Built, yes, yeah. yeah I, so it's I, a I, gun I, I would one. love to build. But yeah, yeah. Well, I, I didn't convert a gun. I mean, you know, one of the photos in that yep. book of Alien that I bought back in '79 is a photo of that pistol, right? Yeah. And it called it a Roger Christian Special, 
right? And it, yeah. it, uh, again, Roger, through necessity on Star Wars, no budget to make these weapons, went out and he got X decommissioned, you know, yeah. Yeah. World Actual War II weapons, weapons yeah. and, and converted it. And that, I, I can't remember now, but yeah, I researched it and I built it. And it's based on, I th I'm thinking it's Swedish, a Swedish machine pistol. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I didn't convert a real one. Somebody on the RPF forum uh, was doing um, uh, resin kits, you know, resin cast of a yeah. real one. So again, I'll put it on Facebook page. Yeah, I've got one. You barely see it. You ba really you s only see it in promotional photos, don't you? You've yeah, got in in the original cut, the theatrical cut. Yeah, you don't see it. Um, but in the director's cut, you do get one clear shot when Kane. Yeah, he's pulls got it out. he's got it in his hand yeah. when he's looking at but, the egg. But yeah, there's some there's some lovely um, promotional shots that were done, a, a series of them, which they're hilarious. When you've seen the film, they're hilarious. Like when all the crew uh, got their weapons pulled and looking up yes. at a monster that's about um, forty foot high. Yeah, um, and there's there's a sequence of um, of Kane shots. Where he's got the holster strapped on, because you never really see that holster either. And then there's various shots where he's pulling the gun out and pointing the gun and holding the gun. Um, but yeah, you never see it. You never really see it in the film. No, no. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, yes. Yeah, no, what, what I was going to say is uh, we'll save the walk to the derelict for yes. when we do our Lambert episode. Yeah, and also in our Lambert episode, we'll talk about the brilliant John Marlowe environment suits yes, yeah. all right oh, yeah. so that's to be continued on the lambert episode um and the derelict itself as i say will have its own episode at some point yeah um kane has his first pivotal moment um after they have got inside uh, when he notices that something's different and if they can get up that wall they might be able to find out what it is yeah. so i'm guessing if he hadn't noticed that anything was different they'll just walk around the derelict can't find it and then just take back off again, would they? I think so, because Lambert was certainly for getting out straight away. Yep. And I think Dallas probably would have been as well. But yeah, he, he's, he's like, here, there's something different, and then climbs up um, uh, onto the, the glorious... Uh, now people go, oh, the glorious Prometheus set. No, the space jockey. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, yeah, and he is fabulous. John Hurt is fabulous. Yeah. That look on his face—we don't see yeah. what he sees to begin but with. But we, we know from his look and the the, the thumping music, the dun, 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 we know it's going to be something scary. Yep, yeah, brilliant. Yeah, and we will save our space jockey yep. talk for the Dallas episode. Yes. All yep. right, um, and Kane's pivotal again. He notices the hole in the floor. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's a deleted scene where they set up that 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 nifty little tripod with the. Yep. I don't know why it's got that rotating light on the top. Just um, health and safety. Yes, I suppose. I suppose. Health and safety gone bad. We should um, we should have more yeah. rotating lights on everything. I think. I think. So. Everything should have a rotating light on. Uh, in the it sounds like in the original script and also in the novelization. So and in um, the illustrated story, something else I highly recommended. Um, that Dallas almost eggs uh, Kane to go down. Mm -hmm. He said, you, you, you know, you, you wanted your chance to shine. Um, whereas in the film, you don't get that. So in the film, you get the idea that Kane's just, that's, this is all his suggestion and this is all his doing, um, that he wants to go down this hole. Mm. Yes. I wouldn't. 
No. I wouldn't go down it. No. Have, have, how have you always took it? Have you took it that, you know, that that chamber, that cave, he says it's a cave, yeah. um, the, the derelict ship is landed right on top of it? Yeah, so, so again, banish Prometheus, because if we believe Prometheus, this is just the hold of the ship. It makes no sense. Um, because, they, again, in the novelization in the original script, they make mention that they're now past the what must be the bottom of the ship, unless it's some weird-ass ship. Um, so I think, yeah, I think the derelict has come along, received the signal, um, uh, found something, they give out the signal, found something, landed. I don't know why there's a melted hole from the bridge to this uh, <clears throat> to this chamber. Or unless that is not melted and that's how their hatches look, I don't know. It's alien, isn't it? Mm. Um, but then the, they wouldn't fit down it. It's too small an opening for the space jockey to get down. So I'm not entirely sure what's happened there. Um, but the, the the cave underneath, I think, is literally that a cave. I don't think it's anything to do with this no. ship. It it can't be. It's I too mean, big, we, yeah. we've got that amazing wide shot where you know Kane yeah. is basically just a tiny little pinprick of light dangling yeah. on his rope, and it just goes on for miles, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, and we we've also seen that the you know the they've they they've entered through the three vagina style holes in the ship. And that's on the bottom level of the ship. That's yes. level with the ground, and yet they go down from there. Yes. So it's got to be a cave system under the yes under yeah. the ship. Yeah. And like I say, when 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 uh, Kane's going down, he's saying, oh, "It's like the goddamn tropics," and then he spins around. He's, it's like it goes on for miles. <laughs> it's a big old egg chamber. It certainly is, yeah. and and that's leading into you know just the classic scene. Yeah. You okay down there? Can you see anything? I don't know, a cave. A, ca a cave of some sort, but I... Uh, I don't know, but it's like the goddamn tropics in here.
pivotal well you think it's going to be the pivotal scene because obviously you don't know about the chest burster but yeah this is the this is the scene where nothing after this is ever the same this is yeah this is the pivotal are you are you old enough i i can remember that when this film came out they showed this scene right they showed kane discovering the egg and they showed it opening and that they would stop the clip just before yeah. the face hugger comes out and it's like that is a really odd choice to actually yes. represent the film one of the most key tense moments and you're showing a lot of your audience you're spoiling it for them yeah well it was um they, they certainly showed i'm sure this clip on um film 79 because barry norman hated the film didn't he so mm. it was rubbish um but yeah it I suppose with that out of context, you might go. But I think what they've done is they've they've been told they can't show any clips of the alien. They can't show anything scary. It's a sci-fi film. You got anything with space suits in? Oh, well, I suppose. Yeah, that's you, what I reckon it would be. You can't just show the breakfast scene. No, no, because people will go, "What the hell? This is a sci-fi film." I suppose. Is it? Yeah, yeah. And you know, it is a classic, as I say. You, you, you know, it's brilliantly shot. It's brilliantly designed. Uh, it's brilliantly pe yeah. edited. People complain as well that. Kane's too stupid to survive in this. Like, who would do that? He would, because he, this has been his characterization all yes, along. Yes, we've seen it. Yeah, pay attention. Yes. Um, this is his. Had Parker been down there, he wouldn't have looked into it. No. He would have been legging it. But it fits this one character that he's inquisitive, he's eager. He wants to see what's in this urn, so he looks down into it. He's wearing a spaceship. He thinks he's fine. He's yes, got a gun. Yes, yeah. You know. And it gets me every time because, oh, you know... So good. You're waiting for it. You always time it wrong. Yes, yeah, you? yeah. You think yeah. you know when that's going to go... Yeah. And <laughs> sound design, as I yeah. say, that right. noise, when it opens, that noise as it opens, you know, and all the music's gone by yeah. that point we've had music right up until the point it opens the music just drops away and all we've got is that bubbling noise yeah. you know and and then we've got shocking violence you know yeah. um well, uh, as it there's, erupts there's not, yeah there's not there's been some action scenes like the lantern and spaceship but they've been even quite sedate and well paced and, yeah this is the first shock moment yeah this uh, is 
you know, later on we will get it, but this is the equivalent of the cat jumping out. Yes. But the f- it's the first jump scare. Now, normally in a film, the first jump scare is the fake one. It has mm. to be the fake one because it, you have to get your audience to go, oh, it's a fake. They're not going to, ah, they've done it again. And they don't bother. It's just boom, wham, yep. there you go. And Sounds great, looks great. The face hugger is just astonishing. It's just textbook. It yeah. is absolute yeah. textbook how to do it. Yes, yeah. And I, I love the fact that, you know, he falls backwards and then we yeah. straight away cut just to the peaceful exterior. We have yeah. this beautiful shot of the derelict and just the wind, you know? Yeah, it's, it's wonderfully edited. Yeah. Now, in the Alan Dean Foster novel, Cain, yeah. um, when he looks at it, it it's opaque, but then it becomes translucent. Yeah. And he looks inside and uh, the side of it, and I'll just read from you, because this is really good. I, I, I yeah. think it, um, you're right. It's, this is one of his better novels. And um, I like this. I like this a lot. It says, The thing was basically in the shape of a hand, many-fingered with the long, bony fingers curled into the palm. It looked very much like the hand of a skeleton, save for the extra fingers. Something protruded from the centre of the palm, a short tube of some kind. A muscular tail was coiled beneath the base of the hand. On its back, he could just make out the dim, convex shape that looked like a glazed-over eye. That eye, if it was an eye and not simply some shiny excrescence, deserved a closer look. Despite the feeling feeling of repugnance churning in his belly, he moved still closer and raised the light for a better view. The eye moved and looked at him. And it's at that point it, it, uh, the thing explodes. The yeah. eye turned and looked at him. That is brilliant. It's really good, yeah. I'm sort of glad they didn't put up googly eyes on it. Yes. I think that might have, been strange. have you seen? It's in the yeah. book of Alien, you know, some of uh, Giger's yes. designs. Yeah. There was an eye on the back of the hand, wasn't there? Yeah, we, we were watching... Um, what was we, watching? we were watching something yesterday on Alien... And they were showing the face hugger, and um, and says, why, is, "Why has it got a vagina on it?" I was like, "Well, it's uh, it's if you look as well, it's got a little penis that comes out." Yes. Um, I said, "It's it's it's meant to be male and female sex. It's reproductions." And she goes, "Whoever designed that was he a bit weird?" It's like, <laughs> "Wow, that's a that's a whole different book, isn't it?" Yes, yes, it <sighs> most certainly is. Yeah, but no, it's it's a great design. I love as well that when when the egg starts to go transparent. And you get that flickery movement. Yeah. And it's it's obviously someone's hand doing it. It's Ridley it's Scott. Organic. Is it Ridley Scott? Yeah. It's organic, isn't it? It doesn't look like a mechanism. It's it's brilliant. Such a simple effect. Yes. But you go, oh, that's alive. Yeah, yeah. Ridley Scott wanted you to be able to see something. So that right. the egg is actually glass fibre, but with yeah. far more glass in it than usual, which gives it the translucent yeah. uh, effect. And he always says it's his two hands with washing up gloves. I don't yeah. think it would be washing up gloves. I think no, Roger Dickon like or somebody is, or uh, yeah, they've, they, they, they've put some, he's wearing some sort of rubber gloves to yeah. suggest the alien inside. I, it's not just a, yeah. a pair of marigolds. No, I do love that when you, when you get directors and people that are, you know, not, not the guys doing it and they won't be specific and yet people will take them specifically in it. If yeah. They, He's, he's just saying it, it looked like a pair of rubber gloves. Yeah, yeah so it, it, yeah, it, it actually was. No, yeah. no. Well, we've got to fast forward through a lot now. Yes, yeah. um, we've got to fast forward because we're going to be talking about all the unconscious comatose Kane scenes with our yeah. other uh, characters. So we've got to fast forward to where Kane wakes up 
and he's sat on the side of the bed and he's all yes. groggy, doesn't remember much, just a dream about smothering. Um, John there, Hurt is brilliant, can I just yeah, say John, at this point? John, John Hurt, I mean, he's such a good actor, but yeah, he's brilliant in this. I do remember Starburst had this, uh, this uh, wonderfully mad uh, essay in one of their issues about Alien, and it was before Aliens came out, it was back when you, know, you could still write stuff and people didn't know what uh, what the ideas were behind the films and that sort of thing, and he, he it, 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 it basically it's seeing is seeing sex in everything, and he says every scene is basically got some sexual element, and it gets to this scene where um, where uh, Kane sat up and he's wearing that that what is obviously like f- uh, a spacesuit flight underwear. Yes, yeah, it laces up and, at the front, doesn't it? And this guy goes, um, we never find out why. Kane is wearing um, weird bondage underwear, but then he was British. I was, I was like, what? <laughs> if that's the case, he should be in a pair of stained wife fronts and a vest. Yes. So basically, he's yeah. saying Kane is wearing some sort of basque or yeah, something. He, he thought it was it was to do because he saw sex in every single aspect. He thought it was to it was a like a BDSM style. Oh dear. Up. Rather than it's like he's just been cut out of a spacesuit. Yes, that's yeah, a fl- that's a flight suit flight undergarment suit, yeah. thing, exactly, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Oh I do, dear, and I do. again, I absolutely love the, and we'll cover it, I suppose, when we get to the other characters. But just the small things, and this is an actor's thing, I think, and this because they used to work this stuff out really well between them. So, like Brett, uh, Kane says he's really thirsty because obviously he's he's been he's basically uh, he's he's eating for two, isn't he? He's yes. got he's got a wee <laughs> babby, um, so he's so thirsty. And uh, Brett or Parker gives him like this one of their used cups, yes. and he's drinking. And then Ash just comes across, takes it out of his hand, and puts a nice clean yes. cup. It's superb. It's yep. again the contempt Ash has for these two yep. useless, and, and, useless engineers. And you might not pick up on that yeah. to begin yeah. with, but it's all there. It yeah. really stands it's, up to repeated yeah. viewings. Oh, I think we're going to enjoy this coming back to scenes yeah. over and over again. I mean, we did it with Mad Max. Yes, we, and, and I mean, we, we, we almost rewrote some of the scenes. The, our theories on them, based on us discussing stuff we'd seen on the rewatch, and it, it's, yeah. and I think we'll get that on this as well. Yeah, yep. Yeah. All right. Well, here we go. It's the Last Supper time, yes. isn't it? Um, yeah. And and again, it's difficult to study one person when they're all so brilliant and fascinating, um, especially Ash. My eyes immediately go to Ash and what Ash is yeah. doing. You know, Ash is brilliant. He's Ash is like. The cat, and he—he's watching. He's studying Kane. He knows. Yeah, he knows exactly. And he you knows as an audience going person on. goes, "What's going on?" Yeah, yeah. What's going on? He's watching. Mm, he's done some sort of experiment. You think? Yeah. Ooh. But we're watching Kane. Yeah. We've got to watch Kane. Yeah. And um, I don't know what he's, he's eating. It's bean sprouts. I think it's bean sprouts, dried noodles, something yeah. or other. Um, and uh, he says the first thing he's going to do when they get back is get some decent yeah. food. And uh, then we're at it. You know, the classic, iconic yeah. moment of cinema history. I, I don't think that's over exaggerating it, is it? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think this was. This this is up there, yeah. This this is this is a pivotal, defining moment of cinema. No matter, no, even if the rest of the film would have been terrible, which it isn't, this scene would stand out as something unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, we got so many rip-offs again. I mean, a we, why do we pick films like Mad Max and Alien that the the uh, the Italians come along and go, I'm having some of that. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> oh, it's easy. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, this scene's been ripped off so many times, but this is superb. And it gets you every time. It's so well done. I mean, I'm a, now you wouldn't you wouldn't go along with their uh, their procedure for someone having a seizure of stuffing a metal fork in their mouth. <laughs> there is that. Yeah, you there don't, is that. Don't do that anymore. Um, but yeah, it's it's just great. It's it's it, so well done. It's brilliant. And that spurt of blood. Yeah. Even though you're expecting it. Yeah. It catches you off guard every time. Yeah. It's brilliantly shot. It's brilliantly yeah. edited. I mean, it's helped immeasurably by John Hurt's performance. Yeah. You oh, know. He, he just sounds so much in pain. It, I mean, I, I've seen it hundreds of times, this scene, and it's yeah. heartbreaking. It's his yeah. performance. His cries, I think, is what makes it so upsetting. Yeah, because It's so point, natural, again, that his cries. You're thinking, even now you're thinking this is still the main character, isn't it? You're... you're it's such a well done. It's again. It's the psycho thing, isn't it? Killing off uh, Marion Crane straight away. Mm. Crane, Kane. Crane. Oh, it's connected. <laughs> um, she died in a shower. He died in a shower of blood. <laughs> you know. um, but yeah, it's it's so well done, um, and it's it's fascinating as well when you see because there's there's so many uh, sort of false fan rumours and things about this that none of the actors knew what was going to happen yeah they did um, they didn't know how much blood was going to be in it but it's this weird idea that films are made up on the spot mm. you know whereas when you see behind the scenes that when they come in he was strapped to the table he was underneath the table thing yes. they, they already did one run through where the shirt wouldn't tear yes. and the chest but they knew what was going to happen they so absolutely take did away from they it, absolutely yeah. did yeah but and but you know out it comes you oh, know um, yeah. as I say it's just a classic moment and 40 t- this is 42 years ago this came out it stands out. up yeah it stands up perfectly that, that the chest burster is so much better than the one in well any of the other films yes that um, long hold on yeah. it I mean it's in yeah. close up the camera's on it for I don't know what five six seconds as it's looking around what's what's tragic about that scene though and so it, it it moves up a bit and it's it's sort of making little noises and then the tail can sort of pulls in slightly it's been but the tragic bit is watching the background and Kane's still alive. Yeah, he's twitching. He's twitching and flicking. It's like, oh, God. Yeah, no. yeah. But I, I I find it incredible that it holds up today. You cannot yeah. fault that looking around yeah. moment, you yeah, know. The, the, when it runs off. Nah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, can't, yeah, you can fault that. But What do you think of the cry that it gives? I think it's brilliant. It opens its little jaws. With its silver it. teeth. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the cry is brilliant. Again, the, the 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 sound effects in this of the alien and all of it really is great. Um, it's it's superb. But we do have the scuttle away. Yes, that doesn't quite work so well. I don't think that worked that well at the time. And this is the scene where, if you've if someone's been paying attention and as enjoying the film, they still take it. If they laugh you know this isn't the film for them and it does get laughs I, mm. you know, I, I've, I've shown it and um, yeah, point, yeah 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 um, and then we have just the stunned look yeah. <laughs> from, from, from everyone touch it. Yeah. what was he going to do with that butter knife he was what gonna, was Parker going to do I don't know P- push it back in I don't yeah. know I don't know 
Um, and that's the end of Kane, except, yeah. I mean, we have his uh, funeral, don't we? Yeah. Um, and does anyone want Which to say anything? So, yeah, that's so sad, isn't it? Does anyone want to say anything? No one. No. What can you say? And he's ejected off yeah. into space. I'm now, not sure why they did that, though. Why wouldn't they just cocoon him and take him back? Yeah, surely, you know, yeah. the, the creature would have... You, you've well, I'm got, presuming he's got family on Earth that might yeah. want his body. But they've also got to give him a post-mortem. They've got to work yeah. out... Yeah. I mean, you know, we'll talk about it when we talk about Ash and, and, and other characters, that the cameras were being obscured. They couldn't see yeah. the, uh, yeah. the, yeah. the chestburster. Yeah, you wouldn't want to get rid of him, I wouldn't have thought. No. I mean, they do make they make a slight mention in the novel that you wouldn't want to wake up and have Kane. Kane's body sat there. Put a cloth over him or something. Yes, right? yeah. Well, you say about Kane's body, of course, that in the original script, I don't think it's the Dan O'Bannon one, but... The, oh, exactly, yeah. The, it interrupts a love scene. Yeah, there was going to be a love scene between yeah. Dallas and, and Ripley in this bubble, this very dark star bubble on top of the Nostromo, and yeah. Kane's body floats by. I do... Um, um, no, they're on their love, way back to yeah. Earth. How can it be exactly. still there? I do love... Uh, well, it's caught in the... Uh, Trans warp field. Okay. Some some such nonsense. Um, I do love when you see interviews with Dan O'Bannon, um, where he's really annoyed that they changed his script. Really, it's still well, it's obviously gone now, but it rankled him. And oh, it was like, yeah. It was like, mate, your original one wasn't that good. No. Take 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 the help. Yes. Yeah. I mean, things were excised for a reason. Yes. Weren't they? Yeah. 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 Um, all right, so that's um, Kane gone. Yeah, gone. Yeah. Goodbye, Kane. Yeah. All right, so um, following on from how we do things on, you know, Mad Max in character and the thing in character, uh, we have some behind the scenes for you now. Okay, yeah. Um, so here we go, behind the scenes. Um, of course, yeah, John Hurt played Kane. He was originally offered Kane, but he was going to go off to South Africa. Yeah. Uh, to make a film, so um, they brought in John Finch. Yes, instead, great actor, great actor, and depending on who you yeah. talk to, why he uh, um, only was there for a while. Well, there's, yeah, there's like several stories, isn't there? So again, it's this this weird retelling and retelling stories, and it just changes. I mean, some of the, some of them are completely different to others. Yep. Well, yeah. Ridley Scott says he he was ill on the first day. Yes, and he was diabetic. Um, and well, they, they were doing the they were doing the first cockpit scene. Yes, the first, yeah. uh, bridge scene. And uh, yeah, Ridley Scott says that they they were filming. It was quite a long shooting film, and he couldn't get up at the end of it. Yeah, and he had and turned gone yellow completely. Yeah, yeah, gone gone yellow, gone horribly pale. Uh, and Ridley Scott says that it was because he was. Uh, uh, an undisclosed diabetic. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as a diabetic myself, I've had days like that where you get your insulin wrong, and yeah, I, I can understand that. Uh, but then they, they, they sort of. I think John Finch himself has said that's not true. He well, said he had pneumonia. He, yeah, it was a bronchial infection brought upon which is, by all yeah. the incense smoke. Yeah. And then, the all, and then one of the special effects guys says a completely different story, doesn't he? That it was when they were doing a face cast for him yep. um, that he passed out when the cast was on. When they took the cast off, he was unconscious. And it was because he had his... Uh, well, weird, this is where it, it sort of 
is not quite as believable because they say it's because he didn't have his insulin he passed out but that's it's the other way around you when you take insulin you take too much it's because you haven't got enough sugar in your blood that mm -hmm. you pass out you don't pass out from not having insulin you die from not having insulin but it's quite a slow process so that it, again that seems that seems like something you would hearsay but the guy reckons he was there it's so weird mm, yeah um, and then you've got roger christian says that he was there for a couple of days filming yeah, yeah. Um, and giga's diary says something about john finch is ill again so that would yeah. suggest that he had been it's ill before a few times yeah yes which yeah. again does fit with the bronchial part because again having had pneumonia and gone to work and because i didn't know i had it yeah, it's not it's not very pleasant. No. Um, but uh, yeah, it, whatever the situation is, I'm presuming that the insurance wouldn't have covered it, and they had to bring someone else in. So they yeah they brought um, their original choice back in. Yeah, because he 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 uh, fitted the shirt. That's yes, he fitted. But what had happened was, you know, in the meantime, he said, I can't do it, I'm doing this film yeah. in South Africa. Um, but uh, the the authorities there had mistaken him for John Hurd. Um, <laughs> and not John As many Hurd. a person has yes. since then. John Hurd, who was barred yeah. uh, for entering South Africa because he had been speaking out against apartheid. Yes. Um, and I so... Think, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Um, I think it was Zulu Dawn or something, wasn't it? The film. It was. Wasn't he meant to be up for a part in that? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, Ridley Scott gave John John Hurt a call. Yeah. Um, and he said, "Come round." He drove up to you know Hampstead, and uh, said, "Do you want to do it?" And he's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Right, you're you're in the studio tomorrow morning." And yeah. he literally yeah. was next day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Being the consummate professional that he is, nailed it. Yep. I can't imagine. I mean, I, I, I think John Finch, I said, he's a great actor. I love his stuff. I can't. I would love to see this film with him in, but I don't think it would be better. I just can't see anyone bettering John Hurt. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the moving on to behind the scenes, the, the computers talking at the beginning, um, you know, yeah. with the reflections of the monitors on the screen. Of course, that's not real. That can't happen. You can't no. have that amount of light on a monitor to reflect up onto the... Uh, and yet Hollywood insists you can in every bloody film. But you can't. But no. uh, again, it's Roger Christian who, who came to uh, to the rescue because Ridley Scott had already drawn in his storyboards that this was going to happen. Yeah. They worked out that um, you can't do that. Um, there was no CGI back then, of course. Um, everything had to be rotoscoped in and combined in an optical printer, right? Yeah. But uh, quote from Roger here, he says, I'd been working with an artist friend who created projections as art. We had made little 8mm films to project in art galleries and some were created from graphics and lettering. We could project the films onto objects and see them in three-dimensional space. I told Ridley about this and said that I thought it might work and he gave me, and give him what he wanted. All we would need is a small 16mm projector, as that would provide the light level that would give exposure on film. If we could get the computer readout transferred onto 16mm film, it was worth a try. And that's what they did. Brilliant. Yeah. And, uh, and how, how, how fabulous does it look? It looks great, yeah. Yeah. Um, the nodding birds, right, yes. that we've already talked about, that you don't really get them anymore, do you? I remember them in the 70s. Yeah, they were, they were everywhere. We had loads of them as kids. They were always in the tacky, cheap uh, shops yes. at Seaside, 
towns. Exactly, yes. Yeah. yeah. With a feather in them. Yeah. With a feather in them. Yes. And but they were bought from one of the you know uh, people who bought things up for the film uh, from the Beetle Shop in Baker Street. Mm-hmm. There's a Beetle Shop in Baker Street, and yeah, I've been in there with Matt from the Azaz, and they do sell an awful lot of tat in there. So I, I can believe <laughs> in like seventy-eight, seventy-nine. Yeah, they would have got so them could- in there. So on a different day, they might have brought up like a nodding Paul McCartney doll. Yeah. And had that on there. <laughs> yes, yeah, or a little yellow yeah. submarine in the background yeah. or something. Um, uh, when Kane is lowered down into the chamber, Ridley yeah. wanted him to have to cut through a membrane, all right? He was going yeah. to physically reach a, a membrane that he had to yeah. cut through with a knife before descending into the blackness below, and he would have been illuminated by thousands of pea bulbs stitched onto his suit so he would light up like a Christmas tree but they didn't have the money for that so in the end it was just that single uh, helmet light which I think is far more effective much more effective I imagine um, the producers of Blake 7 had bought up all the pea bulbs that's what it was yes maybe now he doesn't cut through a membrane but he does go through this laser Membrane. We didn't talk about that, but yes. yeah, this. Oh yes, this, this, the uh, was it the, the borrowed from the Who or something, or it, borrowed from a stage that the Who were working on. Well, apparently the Who at Shepperton had permanently leased yeah. a stage there for rehearsing for when they go out on tour and stuff. Okay, and Roger had gone to see Anton first. Do you know who Anton first is? I don't know. He's a. a he or he was a an art director and production designer, and he was the guy who come up with Gotham for the first Tim Burton. Film. He's the guy who designed what Gotham looks like. He designed the Batmobile and everything, and the two were mates. Okay, so Roger went round to see him, and Anton was business partners with two other guys called John Wolfe and Nick Phillips, and they had a company called Holoco Limited, which uh, specialised in laser shows. And they had a special effects lab at the studio, and they were developing that laser for use on the Who's upcoming tour, you see. So, yeah, basically, Roger borrowed it. Um, And it's brilliant, isn't it? It it really makes this... I mean, back then, we didn't really see lasers like this. No, you... Nowadays, it's old hat, and it used to buy them in Macklin. Um... But yeah, back then it was it was quite an amazing effect. I remember they used a similar one in Doctor Who: The Ultimate Adventure, mm. um, which was just again mesmerising. I love this sequence, and, I and again, it's the sound effects that make it work. And it? it's like it's a, there seems to be a layer of mist of some sort, and it reacts when it, and he puts his hand in it. it goes, mm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really good. And then he falls off like an idiot. Yes, and I like the <coughs> static when he does so yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the alien egg that he finds, um, it originally only had two parts to the opening at the top, but that was considered right. far too rude. <laughs> they've, wow. they've already had three vaginas on the front of the ship. I was going to say, yeah, at what point did they go, you know, that's a step too far? Yeah, well, this is where it was a step too far, yeah. so they changed it to four. That's why it's got four openings, otherwise it would have been too much like a vulva, wouldn't it? Yeah. You know? um, with what they should have had is had it looking like a Volvo and give it one <laughs> opening hatchback. Yes, that would be a completely different film. Yeah, it would be, yes. Yep, yeah. and um, yeah, this is the first instance we've got of um, Rip Ridley Scott wanting to dress things with real organic yes. material. This is Which Nottingham is, yeah. lace, isn't it? This yes, thing that yes, we see it's, inside. It's, um, 
it's call, isn't it? It's uh, yes. C A W L. It's what what goes around the internal organs of sheep. Yes, yes. Um, it's horrible stuff. Can you imagine Don't the like stink? Oh. Well, th this is so. A lot of films, a lot of films make this mistake, don't they? They go, "We want something organic. Why not use organics?" Yeah, you know, there's a reason. It, they it go off very quickly off. and they stink. We've already um, discussed this yeah. on the thing in character where exactly, they tried yeah. using real organs and somebody yeah. forgot to put it back in the fridge. Yeah, you know, it's uh, you can do it, but you have to be very careful. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, it looks great though. It does look great. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, uh, before it opens, of course, um, they filmed it upside down to assist yeah. yes. camera placement. That's great. And the fact that it drips. And when you first see it, going, what the hell's wrong? What? You can't, your brain can't handle it. Yeah, because um, they said to Ridley, yeah. we can't use this shot. The, the, yeah, the water's going upwards. upwards. And he's like, no, keep it in. Keep he's it going, in. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. It. yeah, it looks great. Because that. In this script called Prometheus. <laughs> That is the thing with Ridley Scott, at least back then. He didn't yeah. care whether it was logic or not. If it looked no, good... Well, there's there's bits throughout this film, especially in the editing, where there's scenes... Well, we'll cover them. There's several scenes that take film from elsewhere in the film. And it makes no sense when you think about it. It doesn't fit continuity. But in that pacing of that little scene, it's perfect. Yes. Yep. Um, and, he, yeah, this was back when he would do that, when he would take chances on stuff. Um yeah, it's it, the the it's weird, isn't it? Because although it's like it's like Martin Bauer says, he he was a, ter a terrible director, and he'd come in and change his mind, like as they're filming. Yeah. But weirdly, the 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 British crew loved him, didn't they? They thought he was like some sort of genius. Yep. yep. Um, and I think he was. I think well, I think he he still is. It's just. He's past his prime. Yes, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, when the uh, the thing erupts, basically you've got um, you know an awful lot of awful being pneumatically yeah. fired out, superbly edited into what two frames of face hugger. Yeah. Um, done so well, you can't really see the join at all, can you? Even if you even if you do frame advance, it's very hard to see what's going on. There is a, a nice longer shot, FX shot of that whole sequence of it firing towards the camera yes which you, after you've seen that you can sort of go oh okay i can see what's happening but yeah it, it's it's really well done yep yep now both the face hugger and the chest burster were created by the very very unfairly overlooked roger dickin yeah. hr giga gets an awful lot of praise quite rightly but a lot of people assume it was just him but there wasn't there was you know roger dickin there were yeah. peter vosey there were an awful lot of people and um, yeah, Roger Dickin, he had, he had uh, come up through, you know, the Jerry Anderson shows uh, prior to um, working on, uh, you know, Alien. He had been doing the, you know, The Land That Time Forgot, yeah. uh, those films, practical monster effects he was used to doing, um, fiercely temperamental. Um, he and Giga just did not get on at no. all. <laughs> um, and because he considered Giga's designs just a starting point and he would embellish it and come up with yeah. his own, uh, uh, go his own way with it, which he tried with the original version of the chest burster, the chicken burster, yeah. or the plucked turkey, as it was called. Um, that was a very rude-looking yes. <laughs> uh, puppet he came up with. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's Roger who sculpted this, you know, classic creature design of the chest burster. Um, 
And as you said earlier, that yeah, you know, the chestburster scene, it's gone into myth and legend now about yes. how the cast didn't know what was going to happen. But no, that's all bollocks. Um, I mean, it, in the script, it tells you, you know, the alien yeah. erupts out of his chest, you know. Um, Veronica uh, had gone to the workshop, to Roger's workshop, yeah. days earlier and had seen exactly what the chestburster was going to look like, you know. Um and yeah, I mean, if you look at the behind the scenes, they did film it in stages. You've got the initial, um, you know, uh, convulsions of John Hurt. They they stopped after the the t-shirt, the bloodied t-shirt, where it just goes like that, and you've got the uh, the blood on the t-shirt. Then they were going to go away. They all had to go away. But when they came back, John Hurt has got his head and shoulders yeah, above the, the table, table yeah. and the rest of him under the table you know um, and when they came back every, all the crew were wearing rain max you yeah. know <laughs> they've covered everything in uh, plastic um, to make it all waterproof if you don't know what's going to happen you're, yeah <laughs> you know? yeah it's the thing is it, they were shocked but it was just the pure level of blood that came out and also the fact that poor old Veronica gets hit square in the face with it that yeah I mean which, that yeah. that is the moment that um yeah yeah, yeah that uh, has gone down in history yes yes yeah. yeah um but also I don't think that they were sure that they they were going to use real intestines and stuff you know no. um um um, again, Roger says Ridley had decided to add bits of intestines, liver, stomachs, and any offal we could source around the baby alien. And, stunk, yeah. yeah, because I mean it had all been cleaned with formaldehyde. I can, can I never say it. Formaldehyde. Yeah, but that then makes the place stink like yeah. an operating theatre, you know. Um, yeah, they, they, they had bagfuls of all these animal uh, innards, you know. Um, so yeah, basically that chestburster. There's three versions. Um, we've got the hydraulic ram one, yeah. the one that comes up. Uh, we've got the puppet version that Roger Dickin was operating from underneath that looks yeah. around, and um, yeah, and then you've got the third one is the one that scuttles away. All right. Um, now, if you watch the documentaries and John Hurt's talking about it. He says about he, how he... Oh, by the way, this took hours to set up, and they just yeah. kept him happy with endless cigarettes and glasses of wine. <laughs> and you see in the documentaries, you see behind-the-scenes footage of him just knocking back all these glasses of wine, you know, and puffing away. And John Hurt says that you could hear these voices under the table, and he's going on about, is it out yet, Alf? Not yet, Bert. And um, who he's talking about is probably Roger Dickin and Nick Alder. Yeah. Who, who was, um, you know, one of the heads of special effects. Um, and as you say, it didn't work first time. The actual erupting of the hydraulic chestburster, you see the footage, the T-shirt stretches, yeah, but it, it doesn't, doesn't come through. Perfectly. And they had already, um, you know, uh, weakened the fabric with a mild acid um, to actually help it, but it wasn't enough. So they had to take the T-shirt and then they scored it multiple times with a scalpel to actually yeah. make it um, come out. And, um, yeah, the third version is actually Roger Dickin on a trolley. A lot of people have said a skateboard. That's not true. He, he was actually on a trolley operating it, pulling it across, and it's knocking all the cups and stuff yeah. away. The thing that didn't work was the tail was just, like, dragged behind it. Um, and... They, that, that's when they decided to get a pneumatic airline and just fire air through the yeah. tail, which makes it, you know, you know flap around. All right. 
Um, and then finally, the uh, Kane's funeral. Uh, we, we only really see it on a monitor, don't we? His, yes, his, yeah. his body, and, the, and, and then we see it ejected. Um, and that's in a long shot, which is a real shame because the actual hatch um, was a beautiful model. Yeah. Uh, built by Bill, P- Bill Pearson, which was about 12 inches across. Um, um, that's the actual hatch that his body comes out of. Martin Bauer was give, given the job of uh, making the shrouded body. Yeah, and it's he, a beautiful miniature. Yeah, yeah. He, he had whittled it out of wood. And he had two hours to do it, and it, it's a bloody good job he had done of yeah. it. Um, it had to be made out of wood because um, when you see it tumbling end over end and going down that beautiful shot of the uh, armpit of the Nostromo, um, that was just Nick Alder fired it with one of those catapults you get, um, you know, for uh, feeding fish. You know, when you put bait yeah. out onto the out onto the lake you have this catapult that's all it was it was as simple as him just yeah, with a nice uh, simple effect yeah and that's why it had to be made out of wood so it didn't smash when it hit the other end yeah. of the stage <clears throat> now you'd have a team of 50 uh, cgi artists spending a year yeah doing it yep yep um so the next thing we do after behind the scenes on our other shows is we talk about the actor and of yep. course yeah john hurt um so what do you think of, apart from Alien, when anybody mentions John Hurt to you? What do you think of? Uh, I think of um, Elephant Man. Yep. Which I think he's, he's absolutely amazing in that, even though totally unrecognisable. Uh, I now think of him, of course, for Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. He's one of those uh, 13 people that have played the Doctor. Um, I, I just like him as an actor. Mm. I think he's... Um, He's got one of those really lived-in faces. Yes, yeah. Um, and has always looked old as well. Yeah, oh, like. yeah. Even even when you see when he like when he was playing Quentin Crisp and things like that, he yeah he he, he always looks perpetually about mid forties. Yes. Um, yeah, he always brought a touch of class to stuff. Yes, yeah. Thoroughly professional. You never had a second-rate sort of performance from him. No, no. I mean, I mean, we've just been talking, you know, about um, the last Mad Max in character we did was yeah. uh, old Wes, wasn't it? And Vernon yes, Wells. Yeah. And he he ended up in tons of schlock. But uh, yes. no, I, I, I think John was a bit more discerning. I think so. I think he could afford to be, to be honest. Yes. There was enough quality productions that wanted him. Yes. Did you know that he, he trained to be an artist? No, I didn't. Know. Yes, yeah, he he he's, he studied uh, art at Grimsby Art School. Um, wow. Yeah, and I didn't know that Grimsby had an art school. To be fair, <laughs> the two places don't fit together in my mind. Those two words don't really gel, no. do they? No. The other thing that we do on our other shows is um, we have a thing called a genre tally, which yes. we build up. All right, and uh, to see who was in the most sort of stuff and I think out the gate I think we've got our number one I I would think so yeah because he's done a fair bit yes so how many of these things you and listener have you seen Kane in right so the very first genre thing is a a very overlooked film that I like a lot called The Ghoul have you ever seen The Ghoul? The Ghoul. Is it not, what, the Hammer one? No no it's I I think it's Amicus it's not Hammer it's a Peter Cushing film and uh, John Hurt is the groundsman, the creepy groundsman in it. And he, it, it, he can't have been more than like 23, oh, 24, right. but looked old. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's the one where you've got this, this 
Peter Cushing's son is in the in the attic upstairs, and he comes out and kills people. It, and it's old Don Henderson. Yeah, I think it's it Don Henderson is the ghoul. Um, so he's in that. Then he was in the animated Lord of the Rings. Yes, um, yeah, I, I enjoy that one. Yeah, he's Aragorn in that. Yeah. Then of course Alien. Um, yep. After that, 1984. Good film. Yeah, good film. Very good, good film. Uh, Yep. Good soundtrack as well. Yep. Uh, the Black Cauldron. Have you uh, seen I have seen it. Not one of my favourite Disney films. No, it, it, it was that time when Disney had really lost their yeah. way, hadn't they? It was. Yeah, it was like I think Don, Don Bluth had just walked out from them or something, or mm. he'd gone to form his own company. And yeah, they. It was that sort of. It started with. Um, the, uh, the Fox and the Hound and then went on for many years where they, they just couldn't seem to do anything right mm. yeah, yeah. They, they were trying but yeah nothing yeah. was gelling was it no, um, no. yeah and then yeah he returned to Kane for Spaceballs yes brilliant love that <laughs> yeah. great great film and a great scene yeah yeah shows you what sense of humour the guy had yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and then this is what is boosting his genre tally he was in the storyteller nine times oh I love that mm. I love that series mm. um, yeah oh. okay uh, next thing a film I've, I've never heard of uh, called oh. Monolith Monolith no it doesn't ring a bell they did Monolith Monsters but that's a different film no, that, and much earlier no this is a Lou, Lou, Louis Gossett Jr. and Bill Paxton film Right, okay. yeah. where it says two cops investigating the murder of a young boy become involved in a very secret project involving alien life. Terrible as it sounds, great, but I, you, I picture it as that sort of mid eighties crap where it was still filmed on film, but yes, with all with television crews and that. Yes, um, yeah, I, um, I don't think it would be good. No, no. Uh, then Thumbelina, the animated film. No, he, I don't that. he played Mr. Mole. Um, and then Dead Man, the Jim Jamarouche, Jam Jam I can never say his name, the Johnny Depp film. Uh, oh, Dead Man, all right. Then Contact, you must have seen Contact. I've seen Contact, yeah. 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 Uh, Lost Souls, the We Own a Rider film. No, no. Right, how, how are you for Harry Potter? Because the next thing is Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. He's in that. I've, I, they've been on in the house because Anne used to like them. Uh, I, I personally, I, Harry Potter lose me cold. I, I, I lasted about five minutes. Yeah. I, I have a problem with child actors. Um, I can't stand them. Yeah. Um, then, yeah, very uh, memorable in Hellboy. Yeah, oh, it's brilliant in Hellboy as a professor. Yep. Then something called the Skeleton Key. Oh, is that the? Um, what's the face? Not only what's the other. Kate Hudson film. Yes, it is. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I enjoy that. It's a good one. Yeah. Then, uh, Viva Vendetta. Um, yeah. I love the I love I, 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 I love the comic series, but um, not, I, it's a watchable film. If it's on, I'll watch it. Yeah. All right. Then he was in the animated Hellboy uh, called Blood and Iron, where he reprised oh, the same role. Then Masters of Science Fiction. Um, Sounds like a documentary. No, it's that it's that um, anthology, science fiction oh, anthology okay. TV show. Uh, then, yeah, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. Yeah. Uh, which is a terrible film. Terrible film. Um, then he was, he was all right, isn't it? Yeah, he was all right, but... Oh, Wasted, yeah. Yeah. Uh, As were the writers, probably. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> then he was back for Hellboy 2. Oh, 
good film. Yeah, right and uh, an overlooked film, Outlander, which I quite like. He's in oh, there. Oh, I watched that. I watched that two days ago. Right, yeah. right. He, uh, that's a brilliant film. I like that. Was it research for this or? No, no. We um, we were having a bit of a Viking kick. Okay. So we watched that and the Thirteenth Warrior. No, right. Which again, is superb. I like that. Okay. Then back for Harry Potter, for Deathly Hallows Part One. Then. Uh, Ultramarines, which is a, an animated film, you know, mm. from the Warhammer 40k yeah. thing. He's the voice. He's a voice in one of them. It's quite good. Very, very gory, but yeah. it, it, it's all right. Um, then back for Harry Potter for part two of the Deathly Hallows, and then Immortals. Something I oh yes, I've, I I, I've was, not uh, seen. It's sort of a, a Greek. Uh, if it's the one I'm thinking of, it's the Greek. It's um, old Henry, isn't it? It's your mate yeah. Henry Cavell. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was all right. It wasn't nothing special, but there was that slew of sort of Conan stroke, yeah. Clash of the Titans stroke, that sort of type film. There were loads um, out. Yeah, all of yeah. a sudden. I've, I've got it downstairs in 3D, but. All right, and then and, uh, the other thing that massively bolsters is genre telly. Merlin, uh, the TV show Merlin. Oh, right. No, I never watched that. Yeah, he was the voice of the dragon in that 65 times. So yeah, that uh, that bumps him right up. Then yep, you said Doctor Who. He was in that three yep. times as the War Doctor, wasn't he? Which I thought was inspired bit of uh, casting. I thought he was yeah, brilliant in that. Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna do that to get John Hurt to do it, well done. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and then Hercules. I don't know what. I don't know which for that wouldn't be the. Uh... Kevin Sorbo one. So no, 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 no. This is after he did Doctor yeah. Who. Um, and that was his last genre thing. That mm. gives him a genre tally of 102. I think he's going to be the one to do I be. think he'll be it, yeah. won't he? Yeah. Yes. Um, before we move on to the next bit, um, something I thought we would just start up for this new show is uh, merchandise. All right. All right. Okay. Have you ever owned any Kane merchandise? Uh, I've got a couple of... Um retro action figures uh, or reaction as they became you know the little uh, three and three quarter but they they couldn't get a license to John Hurt's well, face he's very very, very um, against licensing his face isn't he so, this has been yeah. well, on the one hand this has been the problem yeah he won't allow his uh, likeness to be used on any merchandise which has been a problem but actually if any actor's going to do that then Kane is the best one because Kane is the character who's got a face hugger, who's got a face <laughs> yeah. hugger on him. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so when there have been action figures, the Kane figure has had a, a face hugger on him. I've got the Eagle Moss figure which yeah. I had to repaint, and he's got a face hugger on him. But well, l luckily the um, the reaction figures are so poorly sculpted on their new stuff. Uh, that you wouldn't have recognised it had it been based on the actor. Oh, right, right. The only weird thing is they're not allowed to use, they weren't allowed to use a photo of Kane, the character, so he's got the weirdest uh, card sort of front. It's just a random picture. It's not the character that oh, it's meant to okay. be. Oh, um, okay. But, you know, he, he's he's no longer with us, and no. the estate of John Hurt don't have a problem with that, which is why no. the Necker the new Necker Kane figure. Yes. <laughs> and it's pretty good. I saw, I saw one, I told yeah, you, when no, I was looks, up in London nice, yeah. uh, the other week. You, and uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind one of them. It's yeah. pretty good likeness. If it comes up cheap enough, I'll get it. Do you remember the uh, the 12 inch, I don't know if it's Hot Toys, that style of, they did a series of deluxe figures and they got to um, Kane and so they used John Finch's face, which I thought was quite an inspired. That's clever. 
yeah, that's, inspired thing to do. Yeah. That is very clever. Yeah, yeah. All right, so, and that's it. I, I don't think I own any other merchandise of him. I can't, I, I, other I, than I, things like he's in the photo knob, of course, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, I don't... I don't, yeah, I don't think it was much in, like say, much into merchandise. I think. No, there was. I, I think it was Mobius did like a one-eighth scale, scale cane figure kneeling down, looking into the egg, and the egg was translucent. Oh, yeah, and you, you could yeah. light it up, and uh, but the face was terrible. But you could yeah. then somebody then sculpted a very accurate one, a resin one, which you yes, could you that's know lovely, put on. Yeah. I've, um, I've always of course, wanted that kit. Yeah. yeah, I've always wanted. It. We're missing obviously the the best ever bit of merchandise that was ever produced, which was the. Uh, one thirty-second scale figure by Imar Models. Oh, of course. How I'll say that name again. Imar Models. Models. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was you, wasn't it, Ian? That was me. Yeah, that sold really well. That did. Yeah. Uh, again, you could. He had a plastic um, space front helmet, front of his helmet, so you didn't really see the face, or you could put a face hugger on him. So. Yeah. Yeah. What a classic figure that was. Classic figure. Sadly gone. I got the mould. Yeah, I got the moulds downstairs somewhere. You got to re- I think you got to resurrect it. Yeah, I might do it. I might I might get it out and see if it still works. They probably dissolved into crap. Yeah. Now, but yeah, I might give them a go. Okay. All right. Well, we're almost at the end, and boy, we're over two hours. Long, two hours. Well, we always get this with the first yeah. discussion of a film because a large chunk is, is how you know how we came about the film and any anecdotes I, about uh, watching the I film. Think I, I think I covered it earlier when I said we waffle. And we waffle. Yes, we haven't gone yeah. off on too many ta- no, no, tangents no, no, tonight, no, though. Tangents, That's not, not too bad. Um, yeah, um, and we usually end up uh, ending our shows uh, with various tallies. We, yes. that we like doing and uh, today we've got two of our tallies that we're starting for the first time and the first one is to do with our character um, over on Mad Max in character we have something called the Max Factor where we yep. vote between 1 and 10 as to you know uh, uh, what we reckon of that uh, person and uh, we've resurrected it we've transferred it across this is going to be the alienness factor so between 1 and 10 where would you slot Kane? What do you give Kane out it's of? Al- it's always difficult doing the first one because we, we found this with Doctor yeah, Who, haven't we? Found we? This, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I, I think he's, I think he's amazing. I think he's great. I think it's a great character. But bearing in mind some of the other characters, so I'm, I'm going to give him a seven point five, solid seven point five. All right. Well, very often you and I um, are, um, you know, of like minds, and very often yeah. we give the same, you know, score. Um, I, I agree with everything you just said then, but I'm slightly ahead of you. I gave him an eight. That's fair enough. All right, so our very first character. Yeah. Yeah, 7.75. <coughs> All right, he gets a 7.75. Now, um, occasionally we're going to talk about the creatures, the aliens yes. that we see in it. And I thought today we might as well, out the gate, start this new tally, which is the Loving the Alien tally. Uh, is what we're going to call it yeah and this is something we've uh, brought across from uh, Doctor Who adversaries which is when we're looking at the bad guys the you know that are going up against the good doctor and uh, what we do there is we um, we give a a vote out of 10 for the design um, and then the effectiveness um, and combine the two and that gives us a final loving the alien tally all right so today we're going to talk about the chestburster, the chestburster of Alien. Not all chestbursters, because I think no, they I, do differ. They are going to differ, and this is going to be interesting as this list, this score sheet builds up. 
just to see where certain versions sit alongside their counterparts. All right. Yep. So design what you see if you were looking at a if you were looking through the photo novel of Alien. Yeah. What do you give the chestburster? Um, this is a weird one where I think the what what we see on screen, and this is probably down to um, Dickens, is is much better than any of the designs you see on paper, um, which were all a bit weird and funky. Um, but yeah, I think the design on this one, the fact they've given it a little little jaw and everything, um, sensible to go with three different models, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, design-wise, this gets a solid eight from me. All right, eight. Well, I'm, I'm a, again, a little bit more generous. I gave it eight and a half, so that's 8.25. All right. Now, how effective is it when it rams its way out, when it looks around, and this, then when it yeah, scuttles away? Well, this, this, is the, this is the thing with this one. So you've got the three parts. So when it pops out, amazing, shocking, great. When it looks around, I love that. That's so cute. He's brilliant. Um, but then when he scuttles away, it's not quite as effective. So given, given take, I'm going to take one off what I would have given it, which was a solid 10, because it scuttles away badly. So it gets a nine for effectiveness for me. Here we are. I love, yeah, I love that it looks around and it goes, yes. <laughs> it's just brilliant. Yeah, this is the first instance on this show then where you and I have thought the same. I, I, I agree on a nine. All right. Excellent. So if if you add the nine to the eight point two five, that's seventeen point two five. Divide that by two. That gives us an average of eight point six. All right. Eight point six. Eight point. That's healthy. Yeah. All right. So that's where he sits at the moment. Um, we've got to wait a little while, I think, before we get another creature. Um, yeah. But uh, next next time we're We've got a, definitely got another character for you. Next time um, we're off to Aliens, of course, aren't we? We are, yes, yeah. Yeah, so I, I thought we would start our coverage. A bigger cast. Yes, yeah, I think, yeah. Um, yeah, Aliens is going to last longer than Alien, definitely, uh, on yeah. this show. And uh, I thought we would start our coverage of that film by trying to understand things to do with the company, you know, the yes. Wayland company. Goddamn company. Yeah, and... and as our way in, we're going to talk about the company man Van Lewin. Um, yeah. He's going to be he, our he next subject. He holds a good meeting. He does. Yes, yes, yes. So, yes, folks, uh, join us when we come back. We don't know when the, the, this is actually going to be going out, and we don't know no, no. Um, how long it will be before the next one. But uh, hopefully before long, we'll be back with episode two, Van Lewin. All right? Yeah, by the time this comes out, we may well have made contact with Alien Life. Yes, yes. Yeah. But you never know. We could do. We could. All right. We could. Well, we'll tell you about that when we come yeah. back. All right. It'll be in the papers, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, all right, then. See you, folks. Nice one. See you next time. All right, then. See you next time. Right. Thanks, then. Bye. Bye. That's it, man. Game over, man. It's game over. <laughs>